This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations. Limited time only. Plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. to Wrestling Omakase. This is our sixth episode, and this week we're going to be talking all about the New Japan Pro Wrestling Grade 1 Climax 2017. Uh, This year's G1, of course, has been going on for over a week now, about two weeks, I guess, and we have ten events in the book so far, plenty to talk about, and we can also look ahead to what's to come. So to introduce my two guests this week, I have on... Andrew Rich from Music of the Mat, and Kevin Hare from Burning Spirits, so two fellow Voices of Wrestling podcast hosts. Um, so what I always like to do with guests is I like to get their get their backstory on where where they got started with wrestling in general, and then specifically with the topic today. So Andrew, starting with you, um, where did you get started with pro wrestling in general, and how did you get started as a New Japan fan? Well, uh, first off, John, thank you for having me on the show. It's it's good to be here, and uh, hello to Kevin as well. What's uh, up? Hey, nice to finally talk to you in uh, person, or, or at least over the phone, or the, <laughs> the internet anyway. But uh, yeah, so as a wrestling fan, I started, I've said this story before on my own podcast, Music of the Mat, summer of 2003, 
I was uh, flipping through the channels, and I came across Spike TV, Monday Night Raw. The match was Shawn Michaels versus Chris Jericho in their WrestleMania 19 rematch, which is a pretty good way to start off as a wrestling fan. Uh, I just I just started watching it because I was interested in it. And, uh, of course, at the time, I didn't know face, heel, you know, that those, those dynamics. I didn't know who Shawn Michaels was. I didn't know who Chris Jericho was. Uh, Chris Jericho wore blue tights. Blue is my favorite color, so I was rooting for Jericho even though he was the heel. Uh, and then over the course of the match, I sort of picked up on, you know, Shawn Michaels being the babyface and to root for him and that kind of, kind of, kind of, kind of stuff. And from there, you know, I, it, just, it just grew from there because I started watching Raw every week and then SmackDown and getting to know the guys, getting to know the dynamic of wrestling and getting to fall in love with wrestlers like Undertaker and Rey Mysterio and, and Shawn Michaels and a whole bunch of guys. And after about a year with WWE, uh, I moved over to TNA and watched that as well. Uh, again, this era of TNA was uh, the FSN network. Uh, at an era, which was, you know, AJ Styles, Raven, Monty Brown, Chris Sabin, Jeff Jarrett, Abyss, P.D. Williams, and Team Canada, uh, uh, just uh, a bunch of others, Sanjay Dutt, Alex Shelley in his early stages, so, you know, from there I sort of became a TNA guy as well, and then with the internet, I sort of grew from there with Ring of Honor and some indie stuff, uh, a little bit of PWG, some CCW, although Ring of Honor was sort of the main indie thing I focused my attention on with there. Uh, as far as J- Japanese wrestling in New Japan, uh, I had watched this. There's a uh, Massachusetts here. Uh, there's a local access show called um, uh, Tokan Ritsuden, and it's hosted by these two guys, uh, Dan Gennetti and the Great Riki, uh, two Americans. And what it was was uh, it was basically English commentary on New Japan World before there was. English commentary on New Japan World. This was like a decade before New Japan World even. This is like 2004, 2005. I started watching it, you know, I think in like 2006 actually, so, but I had seen some things here and there in the early years, but uh, I started watching the show regularly online like 2006, 2007. And funny enough, part of the stuff that hooked me with that show was the G1 Climax. They would do these series of shows with the G1 Climax. It was 2004 edition, so that was where I first first saw guys like Tenzan, Nagata, uh, Chono, Nakamura, Shibata, Tanahashi, uh, 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 Blue Wolf. This would have been, this been, like, this would have been like right in the middle of the Makai Club era, right? Like Shibata was the uh, club? It was the middle of Enokia era, certainly. Because yeah, so it was, it, I think, I it think was like a short-haired short Nakamura, you know, uh, Tenzan was in the middle of his big push. He won his second year in a row that year. Um, you know, guys like Asuma Nishimura, Takayama. This was, I think, that was like Makabe's first G1 ever. Uh, so yeah, that that show, uh, wrestling, uh, took on Ritsu and introduced me to Japanese pro wrestling. Introduced me to J- New Japan, uh, Liger, uh, Kobashi, Misawa, Marafuji, Kenta. Uh, uh, you know, guys like that. And uh, from there, I sort of drifted away from Japanese wrestling afterwards. I, I, there was like a whole big chunk of time where I focused mainly on WWE and TNA and, and American side. But then with uh, you know. With the boom period of New Japan coming back, with Okada and, and, and Tanahashi, Nakamura, Bullet Club, I became a wrestling fan. Uh, became sorry, became a New Japan wrestling fan again, and from then on, it's been full steam ahead with me for New Japan Pro Wrestling. The okay, so to correct myself, the Makai Club actually probably broke up by then. Oh, okay. Now, I think it's like two thousand. It was like two thousand two to like summer two thousand four. I think they probably just broke it up. Mm-hmm. There you so, go. Yeah, I wouldn't Wikipedia, know, but uh, Wikipedia came through for me. All right, I'll, I'll trust you on that one. <laughs> so that's my history with New Japan Pro Wrestling and wrestling in general. 
So when when did you get back into it? Did you say a year? Uh, like 2013, 2014. Okay. With, it seems to be like the the, the popular year. Yeah, so with like, with you know King of Strong Style Nakamura really amping up the IC run, Bullet Club ramping up, AJ coming in this scene, Okada, Tanahashi, that whole mix. Uh, Time Splitters, I was a big fan of them when they were a team because uh, you know Motor City, Motor, City, Motor, City, Motor City Machine Guns, excuse me. So yeah, that around that time it was. That was my big. So, uh, so Andrew, everybody, he does music of the mat, like I mentioned. Mm-hmm. A a podcast I was lucky enough to guest star on for yep. the the Dragon Gate heel heel unit theme song episode. So if you're really if you haven't listened to that and you like Dragon Gate or you just like I don't know wacky heel unit theme songs, you should definitely check that out. That was a that was a really fun episode. Um, our other guest here is Kevin uh, from Burning Spirits. A even though I've been on that podcast twice i've never appeared with kevin yep never worked out i've always been kevin's fill-in basically (laughs) um so this is my first time on here with kevin unlike with andrew so kevin talk about i guess give us your backstory and and then specifically how it relates to new japan yeah so um uh when i was really young like i don't know three or four i had a babysitter that would get me all this wrestling stuff like action figures and trading cards and all sorts of stuff and so the seeds were planted really early where, like, I was really obsessed with these toys, like Bushwhacker toys and Demolition and Hulk Hogan and all that stuff. But my parents never would let me watch. So so ab- wrestling was, like, this thing that I liked a lot, but it was really abstract at the same time because I never watched it. So through my childhood, it was never really, like, a concrete thing that I watched a lot. But every once in a while, I would see it. I didn't know what, what channels it was on. I, I didn't know that much. And then uh, when Nitro started to pick up and the Attitude Era started to pick up, it started to infiltrate pop culture a little bit more. So finally, I, I would see bits and pieces. And then one day I went to the video store and I was just like, I'm going to rent a wrestling DVD. I've never really watched it. I'm going to rent one. And it was, sorry, DVD, uh, a VHS. I was going to say, that must have been an early adopter. <laughs> <laughs> not, not, a, not a DVD. But uh, so the one I randomly picked and I knew nothing about it. But I picked the uh, King of the Ring 1998 DVD or VHS. I'm going to say oh, yeah. DVD all the time. <laughs> but um, I picked the King of the Ring 98 VHS, and I had no idea what was on it. So, so I watched it. You, you watched a murder is what happened. I watched yeah. a murder in real time, yeah. and it was one of those things where I was probably 11 at the time. Oh, no. <laughs> and, and I knew, like I had seen magazine covers and stuff, so I, I knew enough to know that Mankind was a character, but mm-hmm. I didn't know any of the backstories. Like, I had an idea of what he was, but I didn't really know. So just seeing it there, um, it just summed up... It, it basically just illustrated everything that I liked about wrestling going forward. Like, you have this guy who is just completely putting himself on the line, like, in completely brutal ways. Like, really... Obviously, it's a brutal match, but it's a really emotional match, too, as far as just the extent of where what a guy will do to himself to win or whatever and so I was just sitting there just completely blown away by this match and then from then on out I was just in and um, all through middle school and stuff I, I was I watched every week um, just basically obsessed with it and then high school came and, and I got out a little bit um, which I think is is kind of a normal thing for a lot of people but then after uh, you know, I'd see things here and there, and then 2005, 2006, I started to get 
back in and my uh, perspective changed where this time I, I kind of was able to tell what was actively good and what wasn't because when you're a kid you don't really think about that too much at least I didn't but then when I be able to reevaluate I learn more about the history and then what is a good match what isn't a good match whatever and then uh, I just kept going out from there like wanting to find the things that are seen as the best uh, from all over the place and in doing that I found uh, Joe vs. Kobashi and Kenta vs. Loki which I hadn't seen that much Ring of Honor either, so I so watched you, both of those matches. You, you've you've seen me get kicked in the face, then? Yes. Oh, which <laughs> match? Which match was that? Joe Kobashi. <laughs> I'm right in the front row, and when uh when when Joe or when Kobashi throws Joe over the over the guardrail, like Joe's foot comes up and kicks me right in the face. Oh, like, right on camera. So <laughs> that's like awesome. The, yeah, that's my moment of fame, basically. Oh, uh, the only one like that I have is BB Hulk doing a moonsault into my lap one time. <laughs> But yeah, but, uh, I just know that one because that one definitely. When I when I went back and watched it, I'm like, oh, it's definitely made camera like right there. That was like, <laughs> uh, my one moment of fame. Awesome. The, the, the only other thing that ever happened to me with wrestler contact was like Super Dragon attacking me once, but that didn't make tape. So. <laughs> I have no stories like that, unfortunately. <laughs> I'm, I'm I haven't gone to that many shows, and uh, the shows I've been to, it's been all contactless uh, for me. Yeah, we're, we're gonna have to talk. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna have Jared Goldberg on. Uh, when I get back from Japan, and we're going to talk all about old Ring of Honor stories, but I was I was around for a lot of the glory years. But anyway, oh. I didn't mean to interrupt your story. Oh, it's fine. Go. Anytime someone brings up Joe Kovaji, I always have to talk about <laughs> that story because that's one of the highlights of my life, honestly. <laughs> but yeah, so I just started to get more into that 2008-ish, and then uh, more Japanese wrestling from there. Um, I would basically, this was the days of like mega upload links and stuff, so I would just kind of, when things would be hyped, I would watch I would drop in watch something or I would just become interested in searching out something like I would be really into bad intentions matches right so I would just go find every bad intentions matches or when uh that was that was giant Bernard and Carl Anderson and people at home yeah yeah, yeah. Yep. like that is one that I can think of where I was really interested in them just because I liked the spectacle of them and uh stuff like the you know big Japan matches from like 2011 with um Yoshihiro Suzaki and Strong BJ and stuff. I would just go after those matches, you know? So I would just kind of drop in and out of uh, Japanese stuff. Golden Lovers, uh, Apollo 55 matches, whatever. I yeah, could list a were, bunch. But... Those are fucking awesome. Yeah, they're great. So so that was kind of my New Japan... That was how I would get in. Like, I would drop in and drop out. And then, you know, see hype things. I went to those... Uh, the 2011 New Japan shows, that type of stuff, and then oh, so you were at, the, at those new the Jersey All Pro. I was at the Philadelphia one, the yeah, Philadelphia one, because I didn't. That was like probably my um, probably my low period for wrestling mm-hmm. fandom, so I didn't go. I didn't get out to any of those. But yeah, yeah. I always wondered. So they, were they cool? Were the Phil, the Not cool? really. No, like the, <laughs> the it was promoted really badly, like to the point where you were wondering what the card was going to be like, and uh. uh Hmm. I've seen the show afterwards. I think that's where Toriano didn't Toriano go to the finals. Yes, again, MVP versus Yano for the IC belt. Yeah, I remember that, yeah, that, was the one. that match. Kind of sucked, didn't it? Yeah, it, it featured. <laughs> so it is really funny that I was at that match because it's really historical now. Yeah, <laughs> and and it was really bad at the time. Like, uh. He does um, MVP does Chris Benoit tribute spots in the middle of it. Yes, I remember that. And, and cause th- this is when he was kind of like trying to reclaim Chris Benoit. 
<laughs> and, and it was really no, awkward. Nobody wanted to see that. I mean, yeah. no one wants to see it now, but certainly four years after it fucking happened. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. No one wants to see that. So, so it, that was really weird. Like, the show wasn't promoted very well. Um, it was just a awkward atmosphere. The best match on the show was Bad Intentions versus Dan Math and Kojima. And the best performer in the match was Dan Math. <laughs> like, he... He wanted a deal, I think. Didn't happen for him, yeah. but he wanted it. And so he was going crazy. It was actually awesome. But uh, the main event was Maccabi versus Rhino. It oh, was God. whatever. There is one really that, funny... That was, for, was that for the... That was when he was champion, right? So that was for the title? No, that was just like, a, uh, hey, we're in the ECW arena, so we're uh, going to do a yeah, garbage do a match. Crowd, yeah. I think Tanahashi was champion during that time, right? Oh, okay. Cause, yeah, cause he Maccabi, wrestled Davey on that show. Yeah, he also when wrestled... The hell the, was Maccabi, yeah, tr- when yeah. was Maccabi champion? 2009 then? Am I totally off? Maccabi was champion in... 20... 2009, right? 2011, maybe? I, I'm trying to oh, think. Oh, so, okay. So I did, I, did have, I did have the year right. I think, I'm trying to think <laughs> when. Because he beat... I think he beat Nakamura for it. He beat Nakamura, yes. He definitely beat Nakamura. So, let's see. I'm looking at this now. Oh, 2009, he was still tag champion with... Yoda. Oh, yeah, as, as the most violent player. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Um... Yeah, it looks like. God, you think they would have it? A... Oh, okay. No, he didn't beat Hiroshi Tanahashi. Maybe it was 20... 2012. Maybe. Yeah. Oh no, twenty twelve was the um when no, Okada. Was right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was Okada. <laughs> Where is your fucking title, Raymond? Just go to his. Just go to his Wikipedia page. I'll, I'll go right now. Hang I, on. I, I I was looking at it. And I couldn't fucking it's like, find it. It's like the first paragraph. Hang I'm, on. I'm looking at the title. Hold on. How? It was no, it was 2010. Oh, all right, okay. it was one year off. So it was one right year between off. when we God, said, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He 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 beat Nakamura for it on May third, 2010. Yeah. There you go. So it was like right after Nakamura um, turned turned heel and formed chaos. So, so yeah, it was like Maccabi's revenge because mm-hmm. that match wasn't good at all. The Rhino match, sucked. yeah. But Davy Davy Richards versus Tanahashi was on it. It's a really weird card looking at it, like. Kenny Omega versus Liger, which would be, like, huge. It was, like, decent. The weirdest match on it is uh, Gato, Jado, Nakamura, right when he was d- changing his character. And Yujiro versus Charlie Haas, who I think was the focus of the match, Josh Daniels, Tiger Mast, and Young Boy Okada. <laughs> so, like, it's... So that was, that was, so 20, this was right in the middle of the of the, the, the second really long Tanahashi raid. Yeah. Right? Because this was like when he, he won it at Wrestle Kingdom from uh, Kojima and then he held it until the following February when um, you know when Okada debuted and beat him for it. Which which the internet forgets now that went over like a wet fart at the time. Like people thought people thought New Japan was out of their fucking minds when they did that. <laughs> but because like his Wrestle Kingdom debut went like it was total shit so like yeah. we have him win the title a month after oh the Yoshihashi match oh like, yeah that's yeah, where they, they both look like shit like, what and fuck? Okada is like the weird looking like hairstyle I mean I, when he came out at the end of the night and challenged out a hundred people like what the <laughs> fuck is yeah, this and, the, and then he won <laughs> and like that was right when I was starting to really pay more attention so he won and I was I remember just the reaction and then the match is good. I think it's like their weakest one, but yeah. it's still really good. It, it's a good match. I, I I was paying I was paying sort of attention to New Japan at the time, but like the main reason why it jumped out at me was because it was like a someone who was 
a huge dragon system fan historically mm-hmm. you know you, you hear like oh this guy who was trained by trained in Toriumon just won the fucking IWGP heavyweight title and it's like whoa what what the hell <laughs> so but yeah I mean I was more about Dragon Gate at the time in New Japan to be honest that because yeah. they were just coming in they're just coming off their awesome 2011. Yeah, I was probably... more into Dragon Gate then too, because I would also go to those all those Dragon Gate USA shows, and that was yeah. one of the other things that I f- didn't mention that, but that was one of the other things that really got me more into Japanese wrestling was Dragon Gate USA starting and the first show being in Philadelphia, right where I'm from, yep. and then that you know the major shows cool. going forward being there too. Yeah, it was it was cool for a little while, and then it just went yeah. down. The, it went down the crapper pretty quick, though. Yeah, but but, so but that we, first but, show is incredible. Yeah, the first, first few shows are really great. First, the first few shows are really good. I, I was at a bunch of them, but like the after like twenty twelve, maybe like it gets really bad. Yeah, but yeah. then again, then again, so does like Dragon Gate itself gets pretty bad too. So right, that might be a big reason. But that's not the topic today. <laughs> today, the topic is New Japan Pro Wrestling, and we are going to talk all about the G One. This year's G1, and we are going to go night by night, basically give our thoughts on all the um, all the G1 matches as best we can remember them for the older shows. And you know, we're not going to talk about any undercard matches because who gives a fucking shit yeah. about undercard matches in G1? <laughs> if you're if you're the one person who's watching these undercard matches, God bless you. I yeah, wish we, I had your kind of free time. When I saw people talking about them in the first few shows, I was oh, just yeah. like. Yo, you don't know. You can know that it's a per- either it's a complete freak or it's somebody who hasn't watched that much. I watched yeah. like I watched yeah. Done I, the I watched one before. I, I watched I, the first. Sorry, I watched oh, the first night, and it's like I want to watch the whole show. And then night two came <laughs> out. I'm gonna watch the whole uh, show. Uh, mm, you know, I I got I got things to do, man. Just let let's skip ahead, please. <laughs> can we just? <laughs> I did. I was gonna say I watched a couple undercard matches on the first night, but then that—that's literally yeah. all I watched. The first show so, or two was like, oh yeah, this undercard match, like this is supposed to be pretty good. And then the second show with Obushi in the undercard I was like, oh maybe I'll try to watch every Obushi undercard match. And then quickly after that, I was like, mm-hmm. no. Yeah, just skipping them. Yep. Uh, by I think by night by night three, I hadn't seen a single undercard match since. So, um, but okay, the first show is live from Hokkaido. The Hokkaido Prefectural Sports Center in Hokkaido, Japan. And it was an A-block show, of course. And the opener of the entire tournament, Yoshihashi defeating Yuji Nagata, earning his first two points in the G1. This match was, like, fucking yeah. awesome. And I didn't mm-hmm. see this coming at all. Like, I I, I thought Yuji was going to have a good last G1. But he this was the start of him just, like, blowing me away in this tournament. Like, I gave this four and a quarter, which was the same thing... Uh, our reviewer Dylan Justin gave it. I'm gonna compare my own star ratings to the to the Voice of Wrestling online reviewer a few times. So if uh, if that's you listening and I bury you, I'm sorry, but <laughs> we'll, we'll see we'll see what happens here. The Dylan gave it four and a half or four and a quarter. I'm sorry, which is the same thing I gave it. I thought this was awesome. Um, you know, it was a great, told a great story. This this young this young guy overcoming you know his his elder here and. I thought it was uh, it, it was a really 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 good match. Yeah, I went four on it, so um, I, I'm basically right there with you. I thought it was really good, and especially now where that we're ten days in, it's really interesting to see Nagata's kind of how he's changed since then. Because yeah, you mentioned the underdog overcoming Nagata, and then quickly he's turned into the he's the underdog now who like doesn't have much of a chance but is still trying. So it's it's cool to see his. How quickly his G one changed there? 
I'm with you guys. Yeah, this thing blew me away at how great this was. I know Yoshihashi's a good wrestler, and I know Nagata on a good night is motivated enough to get out a good performance, but these two just beat the piss out of one another. It was awesome. Nagata, Nagata especially kicked. The oh yeah, yeah. And it started the trend. The trend of two things. One is Nagata being the underdog, being the older guy who can't. He's not in step with the younger guys anymore. He, he can't do it. It's his last G1. The other trend being a very important rule here. Do not slap Yuji Nagata on the fucking <laughs> head, you morons. Because he'll wake the fuck up and kick you the fuck to hell. He go, when, Yo, yeah. when Yoshiaji like, slaps him on the head, you, there's a look in Nagata's eyes, man. He just, like, oh, God, he just goes right for Yoshihashi. It's, it's great. Yeah. So awesome, awesome way to start the G1 for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, match two was Bad Luck Fale and Togi Makabe. So this this started a theme for me where th- this might have been Fale's second best match of the tournament, I think. And that's not good because this match really wasn't anything that great. It was okay. It was kind of like a best of of their feud from a while back if you without the tables, mm-hmm. basically, because they used to put each other through tables a lot. But um, this... This match itself was was not really that good. Um, it was okay. I didn't really... Dylan gave it three and a quarter. I probably wouldn't really disagree with that rating that much. Maybe I'd go three instead. But um, it, it, it kind of started a trend, though, of just Fale being very underwhelming for me in this tournament, which was a little surprising because I thought he'd been having a pretty good 2017 before this. Like, you know, the match with Shibata in the New Japan Cup final, the... The match with Okada for the IWGP title I thought was really good. Um, there are a few other matches, too, I think he had that I thought were surprisingly good. But, yeah, he really hasn't done much for me in the G1 this year, and this was kind of the start of that. Uh, what did you guys think of this this one? Well, uh, you know, look, Fale is Fale. I mean, with the right opponent, you can get something good out of him, something great out of him. We know this with Tanahashi and Okada. We've seen it before. Uh, it's always tricky, though, with you put him in the G1 because he's, he's wrestling almost every night in a singles match. He's a bigger guy. He's the biggest guy in this tournament. And with the right opponent, you can make him, make him look really good. With the not the right opponent, it t- things get a little trickier. Now, with Makabe here, it was a surprise for me because it was, it was, I think it was pretty good. Not terrible. I know these guys have had matches before, and it's, it's, it's always tricky with two big monster men sort of you know beef-slamming each other one-on-one here. But... Uh, I, it was okay. It was, it was fine. Uh, I will I will say, though, my, my the biggest gripe I have with, uh, not with Fale, but with Makabe, and this is true for the entire tournament here, I have to bring this up right now, being the host, or the co-host, rather, of Music of the Mat, is Togi Makabe's entrances being muted. Um, <laughs> this is a major... I really don't think, I really don't think you're missing I, Listen, I like Immigrant Song, the remix, uh, not the remix, the, uh, the cover uh, by Hote. I, I like it. It's on my iPod. Um, but listen, I'd rather if it's if it's an, if it's a mediocre song, I'd rather hear the me- mediocre song than a complete silence, because Makabe's matches are kind of hard to get into on their own. But if you just mute the entrance entirely, then it just takes it down a bit bit more of a step to me. Uh, it's not like they don't have options though. I mean, New Japan they have options to dub it over. He, he they have a dub theme from for Makabe that sort of real hard rock kind of song or if they want to do it they can use the GBH song Trickster they can use that too but mm. I'm glad we I'm glad we got some Andrew Rich uh... oh some karaoke <laughs> yeah, yeah listen I, I'm very passionate about this kind of stuff but look um, 
It feels like they just abandoned though the doubleovers once they bought all yeah. the other. Like, because because is the last one left, basically. Well, there's there is one other one that I think is more egregious, which is the beginning of oh, Magadas. Yeah. The pirate yeah. theme. Yep. Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. It's yeah. It's silent and then it goes. Dun, 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 dun. That yeah. takes me out more. That's yeah, it's annoying. That's yeah. annoying to it. So yeah, that's my that's my grievances with Makabe's entrances. I'll that's, I'll say that now, and I'll I'll, I'll I won't say it anymore. I won't say anymore. <laughs> Um, I thought this match was fine, but my perception of it was honestly sealed before they even entered the ring. Because, like, it was the second match, and it was what it was. I kind of knew what it was going to be going in. Like, this is going to be the worst match on the show. It's not going to be very long. So, it was fine. I had no issues with it, but it just kind of... It was exactly what I expected to be. Just a folly match and a Maccabi match, two guys that don't do anything for me or not that they don't do anything for me that's not fair but like seeing them alone in a match doesn't do anything for me so yeah no i feel you so match three was hiroki goto beating tomohiro ishii um he had the gtr for the pen so so dylan gave this four and a quarter in his review it, it never really clicked with me on that level i thought it was good uh if i had to give it a star rating probably like three and a half maybe but like there was something about it that just i never felt like it was um it reached like a super high level for me. Maybe I just had too high expectations. Yeah. But um. But I just yeah. It never really clicked with me at that level. I I liked it right around there. Um. The thing is, as we will talk about, Tomohiro Ishii, I think is my favorite wrestler of all time. So uh, I've kind of realized that. Like I, I he's been my current wrestler for a while, but like favorite guy. But I, I think he might be like favorite ever now that as time goes on. So like. If there's a match, him, Goto, the matches are always good. There's the one that everybody talks about from Power Struggle 2014 that, like, people thought was match of the year. But then after that, the 2015, they had one in the G1 that I thought was even better. Um, my expect, like, I didn't think they were going to do a match that good, but I knew it was going to be good. It wasn't that good. But it's kind of just like um, the, you know, watered-down version of their good matches, but I don't mean that in a bad way, just... Good, hard-hitting, simple, straightforward. Um, I had no real issues with it. Uh, I think that put them in the ring together and they're going to get a four-star match no matter what. So, yeah, I'm, I, Which is what this was. And I'm, I'm, I think I'm there with you guys as well. It was really good. I, I like Ishii and Goto whenever they face off. You know you're, you know you're, you're going to get. Um, something with, I think with Goto, I love Ishii so much. With Goto, this tournament, I don't know about you guys feel, there's... In his matches, there's something a little missing. There's, there's a spark that's not entirely there a lot of the time. See, I don't, I don't feel any difference from last year with him. Yeah, I was just gonna say I would agree with you, but it, I felt that last year as well. Uh, okay, well, yeah. to, to me, it's the okay. Same as that's last that's year. fine. But yeah, I liked it a lot. I love the camera shot of Goto, that zooming on his hand doing the charge up pose, and it zooms out and he kicks Ishii right in the, like the chest. I love that a lot, like the little production work. But uh, yeah, it's it's good. It's it's Goto versus Ishii. What what, what you know? What do you expect? <laughs> yeah, I, I wonder. So with Goto, I want I wonder if his block placement has kind of hurt him the past two years because he's been in the big block. Yeah, both of oh, them. Yeah, yeah. yeah, like last year it was Okada, Marafuji, Tanahashi, uh, his block, and now it's the Tanahashi Naito Ibushi block. So I wonder if he should be if he would be better served being in that block B because uh, the year before that he was and that was when he had the really good match with Ishii and Elgin and, and those. So 
I feel like he's he's just due. I mean, he's probably due for some sort of change in general. But as far as blocks go, I, I think that his opponents giving him like the lesser guys or whatever might really benefit him here. Yeah, make it help him stand out more. Yeah. Um, so the semi-main of this show is Zack Sabre Jr. in his G1 debut, defeating Hiroshi Tanahashi. Um, so I had a, I, I really the, the finish of this match really annoyed me, just the fact that you know we had we had Desperado in Sabre's very first G1 match, the very first G1 match involving Suzuki Goon, kind of getting up on the apron, stopping Tanahashi from being able to hit the the high fly flow and it was it was at least it wasn't like a long interference or anything like Tanahashi kind of kicked him away and then went for the move anyway and Sabre rolled out of the way but the way I interpreted it was if you know if Desperado hadn't done this Tanahashi probably would have hit his move and won so it really bothered me at the time and I thought it was setting like a long run of a lot of Zack Sabre matches uh having a lot of Suzuki Goon interference thankfully that didn't end up being the case so I'm I'm less angry about it now than I was like watching it live. Yeah. Like, at, the, at the time, I was like, if you follow me on Twitter, I was fucking furious hmm. watching it back. Like I was freaking the fuck out. So I'm a little more calm now about it. I go like three and three quarters on the match. It was it was very good and like uh, Dale and Justin gave it four stars, and I would agree with him that he he just kind of said he thought they had a second gear they never got to. So maybe we'll get maybe we'll see that in a rematch down the line, maybe for the Intercontinental Title since Saber beat the champion. Yeah. Uh, what do you think? Oh, uh, yeah. I listen. I like the like the match. Uh, the Desperado interference. I didn't mind as much as you, just because it wasn't like completely like over the top. You know, Suzuki interference, which we're not, which we're used to, I guess, this day, these days. Um, but yeah, like, Saber in the G one is I love it because he, he brings such a different flavor to it. Uh, he, he's in this new environment. He's, these new wrestlers he can play around with a lot of fresh matchups. Um, I think. I think I'm more interested in the rematch, like you said, with for the IC belt, because Zach after the match, Zach taunted Tanahashi, like he was holding the belt for him, it was like like waving in front of his face, because uh, there was like not as much of a, a high gear as you said, John, but I still thought that was just really good, and I loved Zach focusing his attention on the arm for Tanahashi, which has been, uh, you know, with him having that uh, you know that, that bandage around his arm the entire tournament. It's going to be a focal point, and Saber being who he is and being this technician guy, so you're just just killing Tanahashi's arm. I think that's a really really cool sight and a really really cool way to you know give Tanahashi a loss on the first day. Yeah, I I thought that this match was good, so I I kind of realize I think Zack Saber is really good, and I really like how his uh, he feels a little different and he works things um, he works matches differently than especially anybody else in New Japan right now. And I th- think that his, as we go forward, his style has has brought something interesting to the tournament. But watching this match, I kind of realized that his his normal ceiling is always, like, really good, but it's really hard for his style, for me, to get to that next level, like, to being great. And I, I think that just the way that he works and, and how he does things, it's just... For, for the style that I like, it's really hard for him to get to that, like, next, next level. Um, so so I was really into this match, but I never got, like, completely invested into it. But I'm still right there with you, uh, John, like, right around four, four, or... No, were you that high, or was that just... I said, I said three and three quarters. Okay, so I'm yeah. a little higher, like, somewhere four-ish, four and a quarter, somewhere in there. But, um, yeah, so, so the main event, Naito and Kota Ibushi... Um, 
I, I right off the bat, I just say I gave this my I gave this full five. Um, I thought this match was incredible. I thought it, the way they worked in, you know, both the fat both the way they had like you know a million spots that were like incredibly incredibly dangerous and high end spots. Like you know, you had the Abushi pile driver off the top Oof. rope, which is know? insane, nasty, it's insane, like nasty. Know? That's one of those spots <laughs> that you always think about. Where you wonder if somebody could ever do it, but you would never think about seeing it. Like the other one that I can think of that was like that was a a top rope DDT, like an actual DDT oh, yeah. right off the yeah. top on like somebody's that, head. Yeah. And then and then I saw the um, Backlash 2000 oh, yeah. match. I think it was. That's what I was thinking too. Yeah. Yep, Malenko. Mal- yeah, Scotty Malenko, Duhati, yeah. Malenko. And I saw it, and I was just like, I could not so handle snug. that they actually oh. did it. And but this was the exact same thing, where it's like. You never expect that somebody's actually going to do that, and then you see it. That was pretty crazy. But then we had the top rope versus Rana. We had we had um, which again is not a move you really ever see anyone do either. You had the Abushi countering the Destino by tossing Naito into the lawn dart. Corner. Oh, yep. Yeah, lawn darting him. You had Abushi busting out the the Super German from the Nakamura mm-hmm. Dome match. You know the that way put him up on the middle rope and then German him in the ring. You know, it's just incredible, incredible stuff. And on top of that, you had Knight just you could just also just watch Naito's face in this match and see him tell an entire story with his face. That is why, to me, he is the very, the very best in the world. I will always defend him, in my opinion anyway, as the best in the world. His selling, his facial expressions, his um, his ability to draw me into the match just when he's doing absolutely nothing other than just laying there. Um, his ability to tell a story and tell... St- Especially tell like show you his character through his ring work, um, you know. I'm I, people I'm sure are sick of the Naito Okada comparison, but Naito to me tells me more about who he is as a character when he's in the ring than Okada does. That's just you know I I think they both have their strengths and weaknesses, but I think Naito is better at that than Okada is. And I thought he showed it in this match with just he he showed his hatred for Ibushi. He showed. When he wasn't taking him seriously, even when Ibushi was kicking the shit out of him, and everything played into his story of you know he didn't believe Ibushi belonged there after having been out of this promotion for years and just waltzing back into the G1. He talked about it extensively before the match, and I think everything he did in this match played into that story. And then at the end, he hits a Destino win, so you could argue he was right. But I thought that was a great finish. I thought it was absolutely the right call to have Naito win, but um. Yeah, I thought this was this was an incredible match. I think right now my number two match of the year behind only Okada Shibata. So I, I cannot praise this match enough. Incredible, incredible match. Um, not I'm not that far ahead of either of Dylan's score. Dylan gave it four and three quarters, but I, I thought it deserved the full five. I thought this was one of the best matches of the year. Yeah, I'm right there. I'm at four three quarters. It's one of my I think it's top five match of the year, but if not, it's definitely absolutely top ten. Um yeah, this this match is incredible. There's tons there's tons of little things about this match that were just so great. Like, um, right as soon as it starts, just seeing Ibushi there and just seeing how the crowd reacted to him and seeing his body language and everything was just an incredible moment for me. Uh, watching him in the ring right then, my first reaction was, he's winning this whole fucking thing. Like, <laughs> I don't know if he's actually going to or not, but... That was just what I thought, like, just seeing him in the ring in the first two or three minutes, just his presence and how the reaction was to him and how he was presented and stuff, 
it was just really great. Um, he just felt big time, and it felt like this is his moment. Whether it is or it isn't, I don't know. But that that's just really what it felt like. And then um, he didn't miss a beat at all. Like, he looked exactly the same as he did uh, when he left. Maybe even better. Um, his selling is always insane, and it was incredible here. Like, the way that he f- sold the first Destino at the end was just... I, I couldn't even believe how good it looked. I think it was the best look move has ever looked. Like, he was able to snap his body back and, like, twist it a certain way and stuff that it just looked absolutely devastating. Like, it's easy for that match to not... to Or that move to, like, not look insane, but Obushi made it look really great. Um, I thought Obushi was going to win going in because it was the first night, and they like to do things like that on the first night, have the kind of shocking thing, so I was a little disappointed that he didn't. But I, I've got no issues with it otherwise. Um, I like this match so much that I watched it. I watched it pretty much live. Then I watched it again later that night. And then the next day, I just was like, <laughs> I need to watch that match again. <laughs> so I watched it like three times within 24 or 36 hours or something like that. The, the I, I, I should say, all my overtop praise of Naito, I think Kota Ibushi absolutely would make my like top 10 best wrestlers list. I think the only thing that really holds him back maybe is his... You know how much he actually wrestles per year now. Yeah, I but, would agree with that. But like, you know, I mean, I don't blame him. He's, he's, he apparently comes from money. You know, he his yeah. fan, his, like what they were talking about on the, on the flagship this past week. The, you know, he he has a famous dad, some kind of famous doctor, and he doesn't have to worry about money, so he does whatever the fuck he wants. I, yeah, I, it's cool. I mean, I'd I rather mean, see I'd rather see him happy than yeah, fucking miserable like he was at the end of his New Japan run. And he looks great. Like, he's 35, and he does not look 35 for multiple, like... um, Yeah, he looks like he's 20. Yeah, (laughs) like, facial features, but also physically. Like, from a guy who you hear about being beat up, and you would expect to be beat up because of his style, he looks like he's just completely fresh. Whether he is or he isn't, I don't know, but... I think the time off from a regular schedule really helped him. Yeah. Because, like, people forget he Mm. was... He was not just working the New Japan schedule. He was doing New Japan and DDT, yeah, like back mm-hmm. and forth. And like he, when other guys would take, you know, getting a week or two off, he was going to wrestle for DDT. So that yeah. was just crazy. And so he, he definitely should never try that again. Yeah. But. <laughs> and pe- and people are kind of like now that he's back. Uh, some people have been asking me like, hey, so what what has he been doing? Or they assume that he's been in DDT full time or whatever, yeah. but he hasn't been. He hasn't really been doing too much at all. Yeah, he did. Um, he he did a couple DDT appearances this year. Yeah, where um, and those DDT appearances are more just special attraction. Yeah. Uh, either you know brawl all over the place matches or is or that the, big, the samurai match? That the was samurai awesome. match, <laughs> like they aren't really featured matches where he has to go super crazy. I mean, he he's always good for a moonsault, but otherwise he he doesn't really do that much. So he's been. Low key, like there's a Taka match from earlier this year, but other than that, he he hasn't really done that much. Yeah, he that was in Kaitai Dojo, right? Yeah, I still haven't seen that yet. Was that good? Yeah, it was good. It was it wasn't anything like insane. It wasn't even the main event on the show, but it well, the was main a event was was what Kodaka winning the title. I honestly don't even remember. I don't know if I watched the full show. I just watched that match. I want to okay. say it was like a tag match or something, but oh, okay. I really couldn't tell you what it was. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm just I'm, whatever Kota wants to do, as long as it's not signed with WWE, I'm happy. Yeah, I mean, I hope that he's back at least semi regularly now. I mean, they you, did add him back to the roster page. Yeah, because you see him here, and he just 
it feels so natural at this point. Like, feels like this is where he should be. So I just hope that, like, he doesn't. To me, he doesn't have to sign full time, but I don't want him to disappear either. Yeah, I agree. I think that's about what I want to. Like, I don't need to see him on every tour. Yeah, but at least, at least on all the big shows and stuff. Exactly. Yeah, I get my thoughts on this match. All right. Yep. All right. Go thanks. Ahead. Um, I hated this goddamn. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> listen, match of the night, maybe match of the tour for me so far. Because holy fuck balls, was this great? Uh, I'm right there with you guys, man. Kota Bushi, he's a superstar. He. He's not Tiger Mask W. He is Kota Ibushi here, and it shows. He, you know, yeah, from the get go. Although he did, he did tease the Tiger. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty, pretty cool. From from the get go, you know, this guy wants to have the best matches of the tournament, and given the crazy shit that he gets to on night one, it shows <laughs> that he wants to do that. I mean, we talk about the bumps. Uh, we know, we know, Ibushi is crazy as fuck, and he takes crazy as fuck bumps. But Naito, man, he is right there with him. He is he is underrated how crazy the crazy bumps that Naito can take. Uh, you know the the, the lawn dart into the turnbuckle, the super the the middle rope German, that pile driver, man, it brought back memories. I don't know if you guys ever saw this match. I know, I know Garrett Kidney probably did. Uh, TNA mm-hmm. Bound for Glory 2005 Monsters Monsters Ball match. It was I probably saw it the time. But it I was I'm trying to think. It was Sabu, Jeff Hardy, Rhino, and Abyss. The match ended. Rhino Rhino gives Jeff Hardy a pile driver off the second rope, and Jeff Hardy just crumbles in half. And Mike Tanay, God bless him, his call is burning in my memory. Him just screaming on the mic, "You can break a man's neck that way!" Good <laughs> God! And it just brought this, you know, the Ibushi giving Naito the pile driver. It just brought all that back to me because holy fuck, a pile driver off the second rope is. Dangerous I, I as they were, shit. I thought they were teasing it, but not actually going to oh, do yeah. it. Like that was my first thought when it I thought it was going to be like a buckle bomb or something, or like a top, yeah. or like a top rope pile driver, or a power bomb. I mean, like a, like a like an elgin like an elgin bomb off the top rope, but yeah, something, yeah. Like, something that. like that. But Jesus, which would have been insane yeah. too. Like that would have <laughs> yeah, been, been crazy. fucking nuts too. But he goes go for the powder, and it wasn't even the finish for God's sake, <laughs> which is pretty fucking nuts too. I will bring up, which uh, I saw some people complaining about, but. Who uh, cares? Humbug, humbug. Look, 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 look. If it kills the crowd, that that should be the test. Yeah, we're gonna talk about a match much later where they kept going after a move that should have been the finish, and it killed the crowd. That's when it sucks. Like, or some of the the, the, the kings of this used to be the Briscoes, where they would do a bunch of moves, and then they, they did something that should have been the finish, and they just kept going. But the, but the crowd is still with them. If the crowd still with them, it's not it's not the wrong it's, it's not the mm. wrong move. Yeah, I'll I'll, so I'll bring up one more little uh, trope of the tournament so far with Naito. He needs to hit the full force Destino to win the match. He can't just hit like a counter Destino and expect to get the win here. Like he hits one on, on Ibushi as like a counter, and it doesn't get the, the the fall. He has to go full force. You know, twist the arm, do the Destino, you know, full fledged, and then he gets the win, which is a little trope here I noticed in this tournament here. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it almost seems to me like maybe they're going to set up a new finisher for him. Yeah, I was going to bring that up, too. Yeah, cause, cause they, he's, a lot of people are kicking out of it. Yeah, he like, it's been kicked out of in almost every match. Mm. Yeah. All right, so, so that, was, that was night one. I think everybody would agree, fantastic beginning for the yep. G1, mm-hmm. for the A block. Really set the mm-hmm. tone for what's been a really good A block. Now, night two, the first of three straight nights at Currican Hall, July 20th. Had a couple days off before we got to this. Um, the review was by Suit Williams. 
on Voices of Wrestling, and that's who Star Ratings we're going to be comparing to. Um, the the show opened, or, or the, the first uh, G1 match was Juice Robinson defeating Satoshi Kojima, getting his first two points. Um, Suit gave this four and a quarter. I I really didn't feel this match on that level. I think I get would probably go like three and a half. It was it was fine. Um, I got the the story of the story of Juice, you know, coming back and beating Kojima was was cool, but um, you know, beating this mentor. But like at, at some point, you know, that this sets up a, a run of Kojima losing every match. All I'm gonna say is I get why Gato books this way, but I would definitely not do this for two guys in the same G1. Like having Nagata and Kojima both be the old guy by basically, you know, like Kojima's matches and first of all Kojima's matches end up feeling like a lesser version of Nagata's where it's like okay, here's the old guy that's going to get his ass kicked or or you know, look like maybe he'll pick up the win but always lose at the end. It's just it's Nagata's story except Kojima's not as good as Nagata especially at this stage and Kojima, you know, throws in the the Tenzan chop, which is fine, I guess. But at least, like, if Kojima got a win here, especially or win one or two wins along the way, I think it would it wouldn't feel like you're basically watching the same thing. But that's that's part of the problem, I think, with B Block when you already have a B Block that, in my opinion, has a lot of guys that uh that kind of feel like you know they're just kind of there. I don't know if you need a guy who's doing the exact same, you know losing every match old guy gimmick as Yuji Nagata is doing in the other block. So I, I think that that's fair, but to me, watching this match, it wasn't the story of Kojima losing as it was Juice winning. So so I wasn't really thinking about, like, Kojima... Oh, yeah, I'm, ta- I'm talking more generally for Kojima. No, no, I, I, I know, but I'm just saying with this specific match, like, yeah. I didn't really think about him losing afterwards. It was just more like, oh, whoa, shit, I didn't think that Juice was going to really win too much at all. And here he is. He he won his first match. So I I think that you're right going forward. But just with this match, I uh, I didn't really feel that there. Yeah, I was kind of I was kind of shocked that Juice won here. Uh, you know, you know, you know, Kojima, the whole Kojima story. Um, with Nagata, it's different because there's a whole big fanfare. Oh, Nagata's last G1. There's a whole big announcement. This Nagata's last G1. With Tenzan last year, it was. Oh, Kojima, he gave up a spot for Tenzan. He gets one last run in for Tenzan. You know, a big hope story. Kojima, it's, it's, there was never an announcement that this is going to be his last G1. Uh, we don't know it's his last G1, but um, there was never like a big whole thing of like, well, I'm back here and uh, it's maybe my last G1, maybe not. It's just Kojima's in it again. And perhaps that's part of the reason why him not winning at all so far is kind of weird. Given that on the on the flip side we have Nagata, yeah, this, the story of Nagata sort of valiantly going up against the young guys, and yes, it's his last G one. Yes, he's losing a lot, but damn it, he's giving it his all in his last go. With Kojima, you don't have that story. You have older veteran trying to win, but he's not, and it doesn't really. You don't really know the stakes of it as much with Nagata. Uh, I like the match a lot because Juice. I think Juice has that baby face fire that really brings stuff up, and Kojima as well. I think these are two charismatic guys that really get the crowd going, uh, no matter what. Um, so I like the match a lot. Uh, but yeah, the, the, the Kojima story—it's uh, very strange. Um, I, it's the same thing as Nagata, and that's also the same thing as Liger in Best of Super mm. Junior. So it's just like, okay, how many of these uh, old guy losing every match stories are we supposed to sit through in one year? It's just very weird mm. to me. But. Yeah. 
It's like that's the only way Gato knows how to book everybody of a certain age. It's like you can just just give them a win at the start. Just then you can have him job all the time if you want. He did that with Tenzon. He did that with Tenzon last year because got the, got the first yes, two he, wins he last did. year for Tenzon, and then was just nothing afterwards. Right, but I, I thought that worked better though, honestly, because then at least it's, I, I don't know. Well, like, the I only just, thing with that last year was that it worked well in the beginning, but then Tenzon became eliminated fairly early after that, and right. so. Again, it was another thing where it just felt like the wind was taking out of his steam, or it, the wind was taking out of his sails really quickly. There, maybe you know, I'm I'm I've been watching a lot of G ones. I think the issue is, and this is an issue I have with B block in general, where by the when when they finally get to the point where either Kojima or Nagata are going to get a win, I'm sure it's going to feel like a big deal. But right now, it just feels like they're both, you know, you're waiting for them to lose. Like you never really get invested, especially at the point we're at now. Where it's clear they're losing every match, you never get really invested in anyone being able to beat, being able to uh, lose to them. And I think the exact opposite problem is happening with a guy we're going to talk about in a second. But I like it better with the G1, where it feels like anyone can win. It just is a long, this is a long league to sit through. So I, not, I don't mean anyone to win the entire thing, but where it feels like anyone can win on any given night. And I do feel that way about most of A Block, except for Yuji Nagata. B block, there's a few people where it doesn't feel that way at all, and Kojima's one of them. So the next match, Tamatanga and Michael Elgin. Uh, this is this is an example of anyone being able to beat anybody. Tamatanga gets a big upset here over Elgin. He basically it was a really cool spot where Elgin went for his Super Falcon Arrow, but Tonga switched it into the Gunstone in, in the middle of midair and got the pen. Um, the match itself, I didn't really like this. This again, Suit gave the three and three quarters. I, I would go like three maybe flat. I didn't really. I'm not a big Tamatanga fan, especially in singles. Like I think his tag team has gotten a lot better, but um, you know I don't. I, how many times can you watch him do that run the rope uh, defense? A lot for know. me. I like. Yeah. I, 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 I mean, uh-huh. I like it a lot. It's pretty cool. I I really I don't know. It's, he's really boring to me. So I don't. It's it's just it, this match is fine, but it's just pretty much the story of Tonga in this G1 for me, which is just it was just kind of there. Yeah, I'm exactly with you. Three, but that maybe is even generous. It's just like, whatever. It never did anything to grab me. Tonga, I am as close as being over as somebody without actually being over them as possible. Like, I still want to say that there's some hope for his matches sometimes, but I can't, he's never really, I've never really watched a match where I said, oh, Tama Tonga was great. He's just like (laughs) kind of there. Also, he blocked me on Twitter. Oh. <laughs> he's a he's a name searcher, apparently. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with so. you guys, I'm I'm kind of there as well. It's it's an okay match. It was right there for me, uh, right in the middle. Um, to me, the story I think is a bit more important with both Elgin and Tom with Tama here. Elgin losing his first match uh, in the G1, given that Elgin hasn't really had a chance yet this year to really stand out and get like a big big win. He had the, those great you know that match with Naito, New Beginning. He had the great match with uh, you know uh, Omega, a G1 special, but he hasn't had that big, big victory yet. And for him to lose in the first night to Tonga is you know, pretty surprising there. With Tonga, what I like here is him becoming more outspoken and coming into his own as like waving the flag bullet club guy. And what I mean is, which we'll get to with this match with, with Kenny, what I mean is Tama being more vocal, using the gun stun more as his finisher, which was a, you know, a salute to Carl Anderson, as opposed to the Valeno, which is his you know, double, DD, double RDDT, or the Tonkin Twist, 
him. So, you know, speaking about the press conference, you know, this is Bullet Club, you know, fuck this, fuck that, you know, that kind of, sh- that kind of shtick. Him being more aggressive and being more loud and outspoken and sort of, you know, parading the Bullet Club that, colors. That, that press conference speech was so bad. <laughs> like, it went on forever. I was just thinking, like, buddy, this woman has to translate this. Can you wrap it up here? Like, jeez. Did you feel bad for that poor translator? Like, he just went on and on she had to do the whole thing. She had to do the whole thing. Oh. But, yeah, like, buddy, wrap I, it I, up. I, yeah, but, I mean, the whole Tomatonga thing, him being more outspoken, I think, and you know, be, being more Bullet Club out there. <laughs> like, I think I, think I, said, I just could rambled say. and rambled. I'm talking about the match here, John, not the press conference. I know. Got to get off so, it, all right? You, I, just, you brought, I brought that up, up in passing, all right? That. Come on, man. But uh, that's all I got to say about this one. We can move on to the next one. <laughs> so I hope he's listening because that—that's he's not, of course. But that sucked. Don't ever do that again, Tama. Talking about your still press conference, still have the theme though. Still have the theme. Anyway, Sonata, Sonata defeating Evil. That was match three. Um, okay, Suit went four and a half on this. We are way apart on this time because I gave this three and a half. And these are two guys I really love. Like I was hyped for this, but. I don't really know what it is. It's just there was something that wasn't clicking for me at all, and uh, by the time I got to the end, that I just kind of it felt like they were count. It, it was like that they're in like that endless New Japan counter loop that they kind of get into with you know oh, skull end, evil submission, skull end, evil submission, and then you know uh, they go kind of went back and forth counting finishers. Sonata hits skull, gets the skull end, evil gets the ropes, and Sonata does bust out the moon salt for the first time. Or at least first time in a long time, and that kind of ended up being his theme in this G one, which is it's cool. It's a it's a you know a uh, a, th- a thing where he's showing off a move of his trainer Keiji Mudo, so it's it's a cool little thing. But yeah, this was really disappointing for me. It was good, but I was expecting a lot better. Yeah, I I thought that this was good. I watched it twice because the first time I thought that it was like three and a half or something, but I saw some people going crazier about it. Um, both Suits Review and then some other friends uh, were were a lot more into it than me. So I rewatched it. I like it more the second time. I think the the thing that uh, that I found with it was that by the end, it, it felt like it wasn't that long, but it felt like it was a little longer than it actually was. Like maybe they did a little too much or anything. I can't really pinpoint what it was, but it, it kind of just overstayed its welcome a little bit for me. But otherwise, I did think that it was a really good match with both guys uh, working really good. Probably like three and three quarters-ish, maybe four. But it, it did have some issues, and I wasn't as into it as some, as others were. Yeah. What do you think uh, I liked it a lot, too. Not as not crazy about it as some people might be. But um, I like, you know, Sonata picking up the win over Evil. I thought it was a bit surprising, given that Evil is... You're more of the homegrown guy. Sonata's kind of the outsider. I know he kind of. I think he signed that kind of contract this year with New Japan, but no, did, did he? I thought, I thought he did. I thought I read I think that somewhere. Still, but I think he's. Oh yeah. All right. Never mind then. But it, it's, I it's know that there's stamped. some speculation about whether he has or not, but nobody really no, knows because he did drop his. Um, he he dropped the management team he was mm-hmm. with. So that's why people thought that maybe he'd sign, but if he if he has, they haven't really mm-hmm. announced it. Okay. Well, anyway, um, in any case, Evil losing here to Sonata was kind of. Very interesting here. Um, Sonata, the evolution of Sonata here with this whole tournament with the new mask, uh, the new tights, him not abandoning the skull end, but uh, using the moonsault as his primary finisher here. Uh, he's actually won the, the move, won his matches 
a lot of the time with the moonsault. Funny enough. Um, yeah, I thought it was that was really good. Not not amazing, but um, very uh, pretty cool start to have LAJ versus LAJ in the very first uh, first you know, first B block show. So, and uh, I will say the uh, that cutter to the floor that Sonata did was, was, that was pretty, pretty gnarly cool. too to say. So yeah, yeah uh, Sonata evolving and sort of going beyond the, the the cold skull mask and the the black tights, sort of becoming a bit more. Open and pronounced with his his look, thought it was pretty interesting. Mm. So match four, Okada being Toriano. I don't know how much we have to talk about this. It was uh, it was what you would expect an Okada Yano match to be. Uh, it was kind of funny in in that you know they they were doing this match with obviously Okada knows all the tricks Yano's going to try, but they had you know it, it was okay. Uh, Okada submitted Yano with the red ink. Which who the fuck tapped that move? <laughs> but it was all right. It was the, I mean, I don't I don't hate Yano the way a lot of other people hate Yano. I, I think he brings a, a breath of fresh air to the tournament, so I don't have any problem with him. But th- this was I will say, given this match, this is my main spot was kind of ridiculous. Just because, like, I mean, come on, it's, just, yeah. it's a Yano match. Mm-hmm. It doesn't need to be in the semi main. Yeah, I thought that this after I saw it, I thought it was probably going to be a. Uh, Yano's best match of the tournament. I like the Jado and Gato being in each corner type of little rivalry there, but otherwise there wasn't that much to it for me. Yeah, yeah. there was some funny, there's there's a, lot some of, fun- a lot of Irish whips. Yeah, <laughs> there was some funny stuff. Uh, Yano rolling on the mat to escape, and Gato's being there to like stop him. Like, you know, gotta gotta wrestle, man. Come on. Um, the quadruple low blow spot on the outside. I, I give a good chuckle there. It was nice again, like Lij versus Lij the match before. Some inter, some interstable. Warfare that that was pretty interesting in the first night. Uh, Okada winning with red ink of all moves is kind of like okay that we haven't seen the move being used successfully in God knows how long. But uh, years. fine, fine years by me. Years. Fine, I'm not going to complain. But uh, yeah, um, so yeah, it was it is what it was. It was, it was a fine match. Nothing, nothing, nothing terrible. Nothing mm-hmm. blow away. But it was it was as good as Yano as you're going you're to get with this longer type of match. I think. So next up, there's a match I've been looking forward to talking about. Kenny Omega defeating Minoru Suzuki. He beat him with the one ring angel. Um, okay, Suzuki gave this three and a quarter, which is remarkably close to what I actually gave. I didn't. I, I thought a lot of people were really high on it. Dave Meltzer gave it four and three yep. quarters. Everybody. <laughs> he so said I, it was better than I, I know. I read that too. You, oh man, it was weird, man. When I when I I swear to God, you can go back on my Twitter and look after the match aired. I joked about it and I said, "Let's not talk about this again until Dave gives it four. Dave gives it four three quarters." I was I thought I was kidding, and he was like, "Can give it four? But no, he fucking gave it four and three quarters. All right. So Kenny Omega. All right. I have a love hate relationship with this guy. I like that he's first of all he you know I, he's bisexual, and it's very cool that one of the biggest stars in all of pro wrestling is representing a minority that I happen to be a part of. So that's cool, and I want to like the guy. If nothing else, because of that. I have a lot of problems with the way he wrestles, though. And I can't really just... Um, I can't pretend that they're not there just because I do want to like the guy. Um, I, I think he's best when he's controlling a match as a heel. When he's doing a lot of crazy spots. When he's um, do, putting together his counter sequence. He's very good at that. Uh, you know, he, He's good at a lot of stuff like that. I don't want to take that away from him. He's not good at selling. 
and people who tell me he's he is good at selling are not watching him closely enough in my opinion or they just like different things than I do because his selling is so fucking over the top and this was like the epitome of that he's making these fucking faces I took a screen cap of one and a few other people did this too I think this guy Paul on Twitter made a screen cap of him his face his face during this match like his new Twitter avatar like he's making these faces that like I guess he's supposed to be in pain or like um not not enjoying himself or something but it looks like he's like doing a parody of a, of a wrestler selling like a lot of the time when he's selling in a match and especially in this match it's like he's doing an over-the-top parody of a pro wrestler selling and if that's what you want in your pro wrestling I guess we just differ because it's ve- he's very 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 cartoony he's very over the top you know his his the way he plays his villain character it's like he only he's basically I, I called him on the very first omakaze or the second omakaze I said he's like Pedro Morales for weeaboos okay <laughs> and that's kind of what he is but like he's so obviously like has never watched anything except for anime and like other stuff like that because his villain character is is like an over the top anime villain and there's a place for that that's fine but I sometimes I wish especially if he's gonna be like the guy you know the top guy one of the top guys I wish he would tone it down a little and get that sometimes subtlety goes a long way and and to his defense sometimes he does he does get it like when he's giving these promos like on the on the IWGP US shows, he he can tone himself down, and it's weird. He might be a better babyface promo and better heel wrestler, mm. and I don't know how you make those two things come together. But he's he was wrestling like a babyface in this match, and he's not very good at that because he's not very good at selling. So that's my Kenny Omega speech. As far as him in this match itself and like other problems I have with it, like first of all. Don't make the entire match based around uh, leg-based offense if you're going to be throwing these giant jumping V-trigger knees the entire time. That fucking infuriated me. Don't make your enti- don't have that also be like if you're going to have him work over this leg forever and then like stand Suzuki up and hold this man's weight on your shoulders on a supposedly bad leg to do the one-winged angel. Suzuki at one point countered that into like a, a leg grapevine, but why didn't like if you're doing the story of the match Omega should have just like um the legs should just given out it shouldn't have been Suzuki slowly countering it while Omega's able to stand up there fine with this man on his shoulders on the supposedly bad leg that's been worked over all this time so I mean I I probably sound like a dork here complaining about this (laughs) but this is the kind of shit that like really bothers me you don't have to do a match based around leg leg based offense okay there is no law that says you have to do that so if you're going to do that in this fake sport, it better pay off later in the match, and it better not be blown off the way it was here. So that's I, an issue. Well, yeah. I was just going to say, I do think that sometimes it did. Like, there was the one time where he did that uh, one-legged moonsault all, uh, off the second rope. Yeah. I which, mean, they, did a, they did a couple spots like that, which is yeah. cool. Which um, I, I thought that that was awesome. Like, I think of uh, another time, an example of somebody doing like that was when El Generico would do those one-legged brain busters. Or when Osprey and Kushida when um at, at Invasion Attack when Kushida oh he did the, the no hands the, yeah, the, the, yeah. The, the no hands springboard no yeah the no hands yeah. springboard that yeah. was a great great example of that which which is which is great but like I don't know so Omega did not he didn't sell the leg enough and part of that's on Suzuki because Suzuki does this in every fucking match you've never seen a guy who's supposedly a shooter 
who can't fucking get a goddamn tap out when he's working on someone's leg for 20 minutes. Like, <laughs> his, can he just tap out one fucking person after working on this this leg? Like, if you can sleep through basically all his leg work because you know he's never going to get any, anyone to tap out with it. And why he's so insistent on doing all this leg work now when his his finisher, he's going to hit you with, get with a sleeper and hit you with... Uh, and the, pile with the pile driver. So, like, why do we have to sit through 30 minutes of legwork in that Okada title match? What purpose did that serve? Especially when Okada blew it off anyway with that picture-perfect dropkick at the end. That's why when people loved that match, I was just like, we must have been watching a different match. So part of it's Suzuki's fault, too. If Suzuki wants to be Mr. Mr. Legwork, he needs to actually tap somebody out once in a while. It's like Ric Flair, Ric Flair beat people with the figure four at some point. Like you can't just keep doing the same, doing this shit, and not actually ever win a match with it. So <laughs> I hated this match. I gave it three stars the first time I watched it. I went back and watched it. I lowered it two and a quarter. Oof. I hated this match. Hated it. <laughs> anyway, go. Somebody else talk. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> this went exactly as I expected it to go. Um, Kenny being the de facto face, Suzuki being the monster heel. A lot of interference in this one. Uh, oh yeah, that too. That's Suzuki Goon inter- totally uh, much more interference in Minoru's matches than um, than Zach's matches. I've noticed. Um, yeah, I I really wanted to love this match, given the hype surrounding it. With you know, it's Suzuki versus Omega. It's going to be amazing. It didn't really leave a mark on me. Um, I think when my favorite moment of the match, when my favorite moment of the match was Bad Luck Fale no selling the chair shot from Taichi. And toss, <laughs> that was tossing hard. like a rag doll, and then just like sending you know uh, Desperado like fucking like eight feet in the air with a you know backdrop or whatever. <laughs> when that's my favorite part of the part of the match, it's kind of says something. This wasn't terrible. I didn't hate this. I I liked it, but I I was expecting more. To be honest with you, um, I I I will you know uh, safe to say uh, AJ Minoru. I, I loved him a lot more than this. Yes, AJ. This match. Can't even fucking lick AJ Minoru's fucking oh, jockstrap. Okay. okay? <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, uh, I think people. I will say um, people who maybe complain about the interference in this match should go back and rewatch AJ Suzuki because there is there well, there's is, interference that in that match as well. So I just want, I just want, I just want to bring true. that up to the defense of this one. Um, but yeah, it's not going to be on, not going to be on my match of the year contenders list. Uh, unfortunately, because I, I wanted more. Uh, finally, I'll say this one last thing. Minoru Suzuki should not be taking reverse Frankensteiners ever, oh, yeah. ever, I, ever, I, ever, ever, ever. Okay, I totally left that part out. Who the fuck calls for reverse Frankensteiner with a 48-year-old Minoru <laughs> Suzuki? What the fuck was Kenny Omega thinking on that one? So there's another reason why it should get an even lower rating. They botched the last spot for the finish because they called for a completely stupid spot. I, I sure as fuck know that wasn't Minoru Suzuki. Tranquilo, tranquilo, John. Asenna, Asenna, tranquilo, come on. Ascendio, uh, so, uh, yeah. I, I, I really <laughs> need this match. Sorry. Kevin, you never Kevin, go, Kevin go ahead. Uh, so, this was like, going in, this was the tournament that, I, this was the match that I was really hoping that was going to happen in the tournament. Um, and then I was super excited when it when it happened because one of the, one of the things that uh, Minoru Suzuki has been really good at over the past few years is understanding his character and and being able to not necessarily every match. Sometimes, obviously, in Noah and stuff, it, it went up and down as far as having good matches and stuff. But I do think that he is in in big match spots. He he can be really smart in a and understand his character and be interesting with the spots. I mean, 
that Tanahashi match, for example, from a few years ago was brilliant, and a lot of that is because of the drama they worked in without even ever doing a pinfall type of thing. So I don't know how much of that was him, how much of that Suzuki, but you know, uh, or sorry, Tanahashi, but still, it, it seems like he he's he understands character and, and is good with the match layout and stuff. And then uh, Omega, to me, um, since last year's G1 has shown that he is really good at match layouts and uh, knowing how to escalate a match and uh, being able to deliver in these big match spots. Um, I've really built him up in my head to being... He's not great in every match, but when it's a big match, you know that you're going to deliver. I think that he's kind of proven that over the past year, that he, he's really good at it. He's Almost every time, he, he delivers. So I was really excited for this. Um, definitely did not... Uh, meet my expectations. Now, I still thought that it was a pretty good match. Um, I was right around four, which I thought I was the low man on, and then I saw you on Twitter, John, just <laughs> hating it, so I realized that I was maybe a little higher than others were. Um, I think the biggest thing, I, I didn't get bogged down in a lot of the, the little things like you did. I looked a more of a broad uh, picture on this one. I thought that they just didn't really connect as much as I, I wanted them to. I just their styles didn't didn't really mesh up. I thought that they had ideas, but but they just never really clicked. It I think as just laying out wise, and then uh, chemistry as well. Like it, it just it never completely clicked. The crowd was into it, which I thought was uh, was cool, and I did think that there was some drama going back and forth because I think that people thought that uh, Suzuki could actually win. So uh, there was a lot of heat down the stretch about whether he was actually going to be able to do it or not. Um, but it didn't happen. I'm not going to lie. I watched this the first time at like 6.30, 7 in the morning um, uh, before work. And I thought that the reverse Rana was always ill-advised. But at first I thought that he was like trying to play it into the selling of it. Well, but then I rewatched it he, yeah, and he, he just covered it. it. He tried to cover it up. Get the yeah. B-triggers Which, yeah, right afterwards, yeah. Which, which I don't blame him for covering up. I think that he did an okay for botching that Rana, like, grabbing the knee. I think it saved it a little bit, but, yeah. Um, the the thing, though, is obviously Omega called it, but Suzuki was game. So, yeah, I mean, probably, good point, he, he probably should have nixed it, but um, he, did, he did say, yeah, fuck yeah, let's do it. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, overall, I was disappointed by it. It's not going to make my top ten from the tournament. It's not going to make... Uh, match of the year thing or anything like going in I, I thought it could but I didn't hate it it was just at the end of this thing it's just going to be in the middle uh, not standing out from a million other matches that are right around the same level same for me. same yeah so that was night two uh, I, I have to say this started a theme for me where the B block couldn't really hold a count of the A block um, that's my personal opinion on the, fir- the first two nights especially I think I don't think there's really much of an argument even, but um, definitely got to give the edge to the A block here. Uh, any anyone disagree with that? Uh, yeah, I would give the edge to the A block. Uh, me as well. Yeah, yeah for yep. sure. Yep. Um, and and I will say too, a lot of times with these things, the A block or one block will be more. Uh, it'll look better than the other one, but then they kind of even out once it happens. Like last year, the B block was the weaker block, but it was almost as good. And, and the year before, I think, was similar. So I thought that might happen this year, but it hasn't quite happened. Um, there have been some things that I've really liked, but I do think that there's fairly large disparity there. Yeah, I agree. 
So night three, that brings us to night three, and this is Currican Hall, the very next night on July 21st. This is, this time our reviewer is Rich Kreich, and Rich is usually a pretty stingy reviewer, so we'll see how this goes <laughs> here. Uh, the first tournament match was Hiroki Goto getting win number two, getting his fourth four points, defeating Yuji Nagata. Um, this match was awesome. I gave this four and a quarter, which is actually slightly above um, what Rich gave it at four stars. I just thought this was a war. I mean, these two just destroyed each other, and this was really the start of like, wow, that wasn't a one match thing. This is Yuji's going hard in this whole <laughs> tournament. Yeah, I would agree. This is where it clicked in from just being like, oh yeah, Nagata's having a good match to like, okay, this is going to be one of the prominent stories of this uh, of the tournament. Yeah, so this is this was a hell of a yeah, match. same uh, another absolute belter from Nagata and from Goto. I thought both guys really went hellbent for leather with this one. Uh, again, picking up the theme again from night one: do not slap Nagata because he will slap you the fuck back. And again, the production work I'll praise to the cows come home when they you know show Nagata's face and you see that the, the look turn and you see him get angry and angrier. I always love when that when those shots kind of happen. So, uh, but yeah, that's I'm right there with you guys. Um, Great, 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 uh, great war between these two. Then match two, Tomohiro Ishii gets on the board his first two points, defeating his old GBH mate Togi Makabe. Uh, Makabe had still had zero points at this point. Um, Rich gave this four flat. That's exactly what I gave it to. I thought this was a, a really, really fun match. Um, I mean, these two always have really good matches. Which is, you know. Uh, Rich called it 15 minutes of grunting, slaps, <laughs> chops, and lariats. So, like, if you're if if that's what you're into, this was this was really fun, and I I enjoyed it a lot. I was uh I was glad to see Ishii get the win too, because he in, in the past when they had their like never title feud and stuff, he always had a lot of trouble beating Makabe. So, um. so I had no expectations for this match because those uh 2000. 15 uh, Maccabi matches, yep. really law-diminishing returns for me. Like, oh, by yeah, the end sure. of that tournament, I was... I never want... Or not tournament, sorry. By the end of that feud, I never want to see it again. Uh, I thought that really that kind of... Ish- Ishii had a lot of really good stuff that year, but it's kind of marred by all of the Maccabi stuff where it almost feels like a lost, lost year to him. Which, when you look at it, it's not quite like that, but just in feel, that's what it feels like. So... Going into this, I really was not dreading it, but I just didn't care. Um, and they really surprised me. The chemistry was there. Um, they had a really good match, hard hitting, exactly what I want from both of these guys that the crowd was into the whole time. So I'm right at the same level, four stars. Um, no complaints here. It it over delivered for me, not because of what they could do, but just because of what they have done before. Yeah, Makabe over delivering is you know his big story of the tournament here. Uh, definitely, uh, those matches and. In- for the Never title in 2015, they did wear me out as well. Because it's like, all right, enough already. Give give Ishii someone else. Give Makabe someone else. But, uh, but yeah, this was two big bulls going right at it. And uh, another, another slugfest. So uh, I, I will say um, Makabe going down early, two matches. Um, pretty uh, pretty pretty interesting because usually with Makabe, he, they tend to give him uh, at least a win or two early on. But uh, Yeah, I, I feel like they were building it for... When they when he had his big show coming mm. up in his hometown, right. but but yeah, that was it, it is a good point. They usually do give him usually like what did he end up with last year? Like eight points at least, I think I eight think, or ten, right? something like that. Yeah, yeah. So it, it, was, it was a little surprising to see him go zero mm. two. Um, it, it was funny because Naito had like a bunch of words for him where he was like, 
You're really good at entertaining oh, yeah. and uh, and appearing on screen on, on TV shows for us. You just stick to that. Mm. I just don't want to watch you wrestle. <laughs> I was like, wow, buddy. Um, so match three, uh, Ibushi and Zack Sabre Jr. Battle of the people who are, I'm very thankful, are not on fucking 205 Live. Because that's what, that's what they could be yep. doing, folks. There is an alternate universe where they are on 205 fucking live every week. And that is not a good universe at all because they, it would be fucking terrible. So instead, they're having this match, which um, Rich gave four and a quarter, exact same score I gave it. I thought this was awesome. Um, it was just a, a great story of every time Abushi would do anything, Saber would have a counter, and Saber would keep going for this triangle choke. When he got the triangle choke out of like uh, countering oh, was the, like a, the standing, yeah, the the standing moonsault. Oh. That was amazing, but then finally, you know, he just went for the stupid triangle choke too, one too many times, and Ibushi, like, picks him up, hits that, dead lifts him, and hits that last ride, sit-out powerbomb for the pin. It was an awesome finish. It told a great story. Really good match. Um, you know, like, like, like Kevin was saying earlier, with Zach's style, sometimes it feels like he has a ceiling, but this is... This was a really good match. Yeah, I think that this one was was a rare one. So before this match, I was like, he has a ceiling where he can never be great. I I modified it a little bit after this match, where okay, <laughs> he he can have a great match. It's just hard for him to get there, you know. Because uh, this this was awesome. No complaints. My only complaint actually with this match is not within the match, but it made me really want to see a big high profile match between them, and I am not sure that that is in the cards. Yeah, um, I agree. Because, like, agree. the crowd was into this, but it could be nuclear at some point. And uh, so I really I really want that. And like I'm imagine, not sure that's going to be there. Imagine this is Sumo Hall, yeah. Yeah, Sumo Hall, like, on one of the big, like, intercontinental match or something some, at some point. Like, yeah. even if a never match or something, like, anything uh, would, be, would be great. And I just, I'm not sure we're going to see it until uh, maybe the G1 next year. But... Otherwise, yeah, the um, a really cool match where two completely different styles came together and meshed perfectly. Um, we talk about last the last match, the Omega Suzuki match. Their styles didn't mesh. This one, Obushi, uh, exactly knew how to play into Zack Saber, mm. and it was really great. This is when you realize that what you want from Obushi in the tournament is actually going to happen, as far as quality. Mm. Not that there was any reason to doubt him or anything, but just like, all right, fuck yeah, he's here and he's gonna be fucking great. Yeah, I love, I love the way Ibushi. Tremendous match. I, I agree with you guys. Excellent match. I love the way Ibushi is able to change his style up depending on who he's wrestling. He's wrestling a big bruiser, or he's gonna go, you know, more speedy, more you know, more quick strikes. He was wrestling a guy like, like Saber. He's gonna try to be more technical. He's trying to try to out, uh, try to out technical him. You know, he's able to adapt to his opponent so well, as we've seen yeah. here with this tournament. And this match was such a tremendous clash of styles here that I love so much. Uh, yeah, Abushi, man, he hits that last ride deadlift. And it's like, I'll talk about this with the Ishii match too. But goddamn, Abushi, I think it's underrated how strong Abushi is. This guy is just out of his mind, like crazy strong, stronger than he looks. Uh, but yeah, him being able to deadlift, him being able to, you know, out, you know, out saber saber, and, and you'll you'll be able to just put him away with one big move. That's all it took for him to get the win here. Uh, but uh, yeah, that I remember last year with the cruiserweight classic. I remember writing, okay, 
the money match for the finals is Ibushi versus Saber. If WWE really wants to put a big stamp on this, that's the match they're going with. And they didn't go with that one. They went with Metalik uh, Perkins because obviously those guys had time with them. Uh, but uh, I'm glad we got to match eventually here with Ibushi and Saber. So loved it. All right, so match four was Tanahashi and Bad Luck Fale. Now, I should say, at this point in this night three, that you know, you have three matches I had four and a quarter, four and four and a quarter. It's like, wow, this is this show, if the, the, the two main events deliver, this is like a show of the year contender. Well, the two main events did not deliver, and yeah. starting with this one, um, you know, Fale, this is the first match where I felt like, okay, he might really just have a bad G1, because I've seen him have really good matches with Tanahashi, and this was not one of them. Um, I, you know, Rich gave this three flat with the same score I gave it. It was okay. Um, it was a kind of creative finish, but it was just so slow and boring. Yeah, the only thing here is the finish for me. The rest of the match is whatever, but the finish I thought was unique with uh, Tanahashi, Tanahashi going for the sling blade on the apron and then Folly being counted out. So I, I thought that that was unique, but otherwise there was nothing here. Same. Uh, Tanahashi is usually one of Folly's best opponents. You can get something really good out of him here. This was kind of... Yeah, it was there. It was fine. Uh, I like the finish with the sling bay on the, on the apron. It was pretty cool. Uh, first counter of the tournament so far, which we'll see again pretty soon. Um, but, um, yeah, that's all I got to say about it, really. It was it for me. The main event, Naito defeating Yoshihashi. So Naito moves to 2-0. Yoshihashi gets his first loss. Um, again, this is a match I expected to like more than I did because, you know, I'm a huge Naito fan and... Uh, I like Yoshihashi, but the early to mid part of this never really clicked with me. The stretch run I thought was really good. Once it once they got going towards the end, you know Naito did this incredible flip sell of Yoshihashi's axe bomber that I thought really started putting over the top. I was pretty stunned when they had Yoshihashi kick out of the uh, kick out of the Destiny. Now I was like, okay, this is a uh, this is something. But um, yeah, this is when I thought that <laughs> the, when I realized that they might be getting rid of the Destino. Or, yeah, might at least get a new finisher, yeah. Yeah, because, like, Ibushi kicking out is one thing, but Yoshihashi <laughs> kicking out is completely fucking different. Yeah. To be fair, I think it was another counter to Destino, by the way. It wasn't, like, the full charge one he uses, but I can see where you're coming from, where it's, like... But it's still need... Yoshihashi, you I know, know I know. I, I see your point there. <laughs> All right, yeah. But but I will say, again, Rich's, Rich's star ratings I thought were very on point, again, because he gave this three and a half. That's the same thing I gave that, uh, you know, you can go back and look at my Twitter. So, Rich... Did a hell of a job with the star ratings here. I, I agree. Three and a half here. Um, very, a very a good match. Not not a great match. So kind of a downer after what had been three incredible matches and then two, two pretty good matches. Well, one pretty good match, one kind of match was just there. Yeah, this is when I kind of realized that Yoshihashi, I like him in like a undercard role, like first one or two matches, but. In the big spots, he just doesn't really do anything for me. I never really get behind him, never really believe him. The matches are fine, but he's just missing something for me. Like, I don't hate him. I don't want to say he's a bad wrestler or shit him on or anything, but I just, in these big spots, he just doesn't really deliver for me. As Yoshihashi has grown somewhat over the past you know 18 months or so, he's been you know built up a bit more and more. He came into the first G1 last year. He got some wins there. I think he's testament. I like the way that you know he's not going to win, but he can still put up a good fight, and he can still make 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 you root for him in a way. Um, but again, this match was you know it's pretty good, not amazing. So uh, I thought it was you know it was it was good for what it was. 
much better than Fali Tanahashi, I thought. And uh, I think between those two, much better as a main event, definitely. Yeah. So, yep. Um, but yeah, the that was that was the night three. This was the night that Dave Meltzer said was better than any WrestleMania, right? Really? <laughs> Isn't that wasn't that what Meltzer said? Wasn't I think so. Night? Oh yeah, was it uh, <laughs> Barry the Pundit? Was Joe's was, new game? Yeah, I think it was night three, and yeah. like. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't even call it the best night of the G one so far. I thought night one was better. I don't but think yeah, it was. I mean, this isn't this isn't anywhere like even the best G one shows that I can think of, like the Osaka two thousand thirteen show. Yeah, I know. Like, I mean, they've been way better. Yeah. I mean, I would the Champion Carnival opener from this year in all Japan was better. Yeah, but I mean, you know, there's, but there's no whatever. issues with this show. It was a good show. But it, it was a very good show. I mean, Dave first, needs the Dave needs to calm. Dave needs to calm down. Like Dave loves New Japan, which is great. I understand that, so I I don't criticize him too much when sometimes he goes over because he likes something. But he's got to chill a little bit. Yeah, that that was a crazy statement. I mean, there are plenty of there are plenty of New Japan shows and other Japanese wrestling shows I think are better than every WrestleMania. But that was so I'm not I'm not trying to defend that as like oh how dare you say a show is better than every WrestleMania? But just not that one. That's <laughs> basically my point. Um, but yeah, night three, good show, very good show actually. Three, three, four star plus matches, you know. But had those two main events delivered, it could have been a, a legendary show, show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty much what we all feel about this one. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. So show number four, the again the last of three nights at Kirken Hall, back to the B block here. Our our reviewer this time was Sean Cedar, um, a very cool dude whose name I'm probably mispron- his last name I'm probably mispronouncing. Sean Cedar, it's Cedar. Cedar, yep. okay. Right. Yep. But um, he's I've met him a couple of times. Cool dude. So let's talk about his match ratings here. He had Toriano defeating Satoshi Kojima, um, Yano getting his first win of the tournament against and Kojima still now 0 and three. He gave this two and a quarter. I mean, I can't really disagree or agree. I don't really rate Yano matches anyway. Mm. But, I have nothing uh, to say about this match. It was told. It was there. It was, it the was a little too long for my tastes. Uh, I think, but yeah, it was. It was just there again. Um, a lot, like, <laughs> like, 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 like a lot of Yano matches, it was just there. Yeah, we're uh, trying to go a little faster in the yeah, I, matches because yeah. <laughs> we realized we realized listener that we spent a lot of time. But I, I think we spent time on some pretty important shows. But we'll see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we got some less important ones coming up. So yeah, yeah. Um, match two: Evil defeating Juice Robinson. Uh, Evil getting his first two points in the tournament. Sean gave this four and a quarter, which again I I, I think that's a little high. I, I had it like three and three quarters. It was a very good match. Um, I thought Juice Juice was great here, just like really f- basically fighting from the bottom and doing his whole baby face act and everything. But um, you know, I I I can't go as high as Sean did, but I I enjoyed it. Thought it was good. This is when John kind of realized that <clears throat> Juice is going to have a good tournament, not just like a good match or whatever like his story is actually going to work and resonate throughout and uh so i thought he was really good here i thought that this was another a really good match i went slightly higher than you like four but um you know not not too different so uh yeah all action i think we'll get to it later there's one specific match that uh i thought that juice was really great in but um he's he's having a great tournament and he's awesome yeah, this match surprised the hell out of me. I, I thought it was going to be good, but I liked it a lot more than I thought it was going to be. Just, you know, Juice is selling, you know, selling, selling the neck from his previous match. Um, Evil being a vicious motherfucker here. 
uh, the back and forth action, you know, the great, you know, counters with, you know, Pulp Friction and the evil STO, back and forth, back and forth. I thought this was a really, really, really great match between these two. Which so good stuff there. The the next match is Minor Suzuki defeating Sonata. Suzuki getting his first win, Sonata taking his first loss. Uh, Sean gave this three and three quarters. I'd actually go higher than him on this. I went four flat. Um, I thought this was a great, like, um, comeback match here for Suzuki. And Sonata, you know, Sonata's in the same position as Omega in two nights earlier, where he's usually a heel, but he's working as default babyface. And it was not even close in this. Like, Sonata made it very clear he was working as a babyface here. Mm-hmm. And I thought Sonata blew away Kenny Omega at working as a babyface against Minoru Suzuki. I thought he was a million times better. Um, this was this is the first match of the tournament where it's like, okay, you know, after, after the, the debacle that was the first one, Maybe Suzuki can still have some good matches in this year's league. And, you know, there, there was some interference from El Desperado, um, which which dragged it down a bit for me when he, he was attacking him outside the ring with a chair. But I, I still thought this was a really good match. Um, Sonata really showing a lot of potential to babyface, which anyone who saw him earlier in his career in All Japan or Wrestle 1 could tell you he had that potential. So we'll see if he gets to show it again in New Japan in the future. But, yeah, I like this a lot. Mm. Sam, th- this is the Suzuki I love. This is, like, no bullshit. Like, this is vicious, killer, take-no-bullshit Suzuki. I mean, there's a shot here in the match where Sonata's on the mat, and he's in pain. The camera pans up to Suzuki, and the look on his face... He has, like the, You know that look he gets when like, he gets a little smile on his face? Yes. And his eyes go real <laughs> wide, and you can tell, like, oh, yeah... I'm gonna have enjoy this one here. I'm gonna have. I'm gonna fuck him I'm up. gonna get a nice little dinner right here, and he looks like a fucking maniac. Puts Sonata away with the gosh pile driver real quick. Just and Sonata again playing the face here. You can tell, oh, he's gonna be something real big someday as a baby face. Not yet. He's still in the Lij mode pretty much, but uh, I think this is a nice indicator of what he has to offer. As a Lij, baby face by the way, on. not not heels. If you didn't know that, not heels. Well, I'm saying they're... <laughs> no, I know. I'm just saying for that. All right, I, okay. Because okay. people debate this, and they're, it's, it's a scale, everybody. Heel-leaning like, tweeners. How about yes. that? They're heel-leaning tweeners. I, I actually think they're just tweeners. Like, if I was going to put it on a scale, it's like you have Suzuki Gun, who are pure pure heels, Bullet Club, who are heel, heel-leaning tweeners, LIJ, who are tweeners, Chaos, who are babyface... Ba- I mean, not even baby face. They're just fucking tweeners. Ba- they're, just, they're just fucking faces at this point. Okay. And and Seki Goon, who are you know obviously faces as well. And to go to so, Japan too. As, who, as yeah, part of Seki Goon. Yeah. 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 But um, but yeah, that's that's how I would put it. Mm. Anyway. Okay. What do you, yeah, what, another uh, a good match. I agree with Sonata. The one thing with Sonata that I think is that. There's some sort of emotional disconnect between him and I where I just, there's, I can't exactly describe what it is, but there's one little thing missing for him right now as far as just being able to connect to him as a wrestler and and taking his matches from good to great. But I think, I can't even describe it, but once he finds that intangible and is given the full uh, reign to just go crazy, I think he's really going to be something great. Um, But yeah, this match... I wasn't quite as high as on it as you guys, but I thought that it was really good. Um, it was just the more menacing Suzuki, not try to do too much, just be a complete ass kicker, which is great. And yeah, so not in the babyface role. Um, don't have too much else there other than it was really good. Yeah, 
I, I would agree. It was a very good match, and it was nice to see Suzuki, you know, get a chance to come out and um, and have a match that level after, like I said, the stinker in the first show. Um, next match, Kenny Omega, speaking of that stinker, against Tam- Tama Tonga. Omega getting his second win. He goes to 2-0. Tonga goes to 1-1. One one. Um, so this Sean gave this three and three quarters. Um, I guess I gave this like three and a quarter. I was I was not really into it at all. I I, I get the story and you know it was it was like the the first like five minutes or whatever was a promo with some stomping. Like if if you're into that and I get that they're, they're telling the story with the bull club and the elite and all that, that's cool. But it just it bored the living shit out of me. And if you're more emotionally invested in the bull club than I am, you probably really like this. But I I've, I've never given a shit about the bull club and I probably never will. So this this really just bored me. I don't really care about their their intrastable you know affairs. Um, Omega beat, beat him with the one winged angel. Whatever. Yeah, I, I'm much more I guess uh, much more interested in the story than the match itself, the actual you know, action. Um, the whole again Tama being very vocal about being Bullet Club and you know being Bullet Club original versus Kenny who is very much. Rubbing the elite, wearing elite T-shirts, you know, having his own YouTube show, being the elite with the, the Young Bucks and Marty Skrull and, and guys like that and Cody, uh, and just Tama. I just love the fact that Tama just called him out on his bullshit here. Like, dude, you're Bullet Club. The elite is in the Bullet Club, but first and foremost, you are Bullet Club. Tama is again Bullet Club original. He is one of the original four. It was Devitt, Fale, Tama, and Anderson. So for him to really just go off here on Kenny and bring that fire, bring that passion to Omega and, and get, go at him from the get-go here. I love that because it was so different and so much more emotional than the usual Bullet Club versus Bullet Club G1 shtick, which is, alright, I'm gonna lay down and you can pin me if you want to but uh, I, I don't, don't don't con me here, you know, don't con me, Biff, but, uh, you know but, uh, but, you know so it's a nice little change of pace there, which I liked a lot uh, the finish with you know Kenny putting Tama away and putting him back in his place, and you know throwing up the two sweets and then hugging at the end, thought was interesting considering how afterwards Tama still on Twitter, you know when he, he wished you know Devitt a happy birthday, he put the, the picture of uh, what was the best of Super Juniors 2013, where it was Devitt and the Bullet Club over a fallen Kenny Omega, doing the gun pose to his doing the gun th- the finger guns to his mm-hmm. to his fallen head. So I thought that was sort of keeping the uh, keeping the flames alive there, which I think is an interesting little story going forward. So, so yeah, I like the story a lot. Match itself was okay. Um, yeah, I guess that the the story is a little interesting. Um, it's different than what you'd expect, and it is curious to see if it means anything going forward or if it's just a one-off. Otherwise, I I just can't I can't be interested in really anything that any Tamatanga match. Mm-hmm. Uh, just he he just there and he does nothing that drags me in. Even though I know some people like this match, but to me it just as soon as I see him there, it just kind of becomes a drag. So I don't know. I guess it was fine. Uh, Omega is obviously I I like him, uh, but I just can't couldn't bring myself to ever get invested in this one. Yeah, that's pretty much how I felt too. So the main event: Okada, Michael Elgin. Here's where we're gonna part ways. I think. I think um, so. Okada, I got a feeling that you Okada and I are goes, a little different on this. Okada goes to two and zero. He gets his four, four points. Elgin still still 
has not picked up a win yet. Um, Sean gave it four and three quarters. I gave it four and a quarter. I, th- I thought it was an excellent match. Um, it it missed that it missed that thing where it really clicks with me and gets from excellent to like you know like four and a half if I start considering it like a match of the year candidate. And to me, this was not a match of the year candidate. And it's a lot of what I feel is missing in a lot of the the higher end Okada matches where. I don't feel like I have any reason to root for either person. And that was a big issue I had in this match where, like, Okada's not doing anything overly... He's not doing anything heelish. He's not doing anything in the match, like, um, that makes me want to root against him. He's not doing anything in the match that really makes me want to root for him either. He's He kind of just ends up coming across as, like, generic ace. Which is fine, because he is supposed to be the ace. But it just it's not interesting to me, and... You know, it can take away, like, his, his lack of what I call, like, in-ring charisma often ends up taking away from me during during his matches. And, you know, I, I think his, his selling sometimes leaves a little bit to be desired. And his offense often leaves a lot to be desired, other than, you know, 10,000 Rainmakers. But he was still good. It was still an excellent match. And I I, I thought some of the, real, some of the counters at the end... end you know, Elgin basically countering the Rainmaker into his own lariat. That was awesome. That was brutal. Um, yep. And it went, you know, went 25 minutes, so they, they they really gutted it out and managed to make it seem interesting up until the end. So it didn't drag really at all, so that's another feather in their cap. Um, I, I'm really disappointed that they decided to have Okada win here. I mean, if this was where you're going to... If you're going to... They, they're doing a story now where Okada's undefeated, which doesn't really jive with the story they've been doing all year long where he's like barely hanging on in these title matches I, I really would have liked to see someone beat him here and Elgin would have been as good a good a pick as any so that's an issue I have I have an issue with the result and it plays into the fact where now he's sitting at 5-0 and and you know it really is not interesting to me watching him win every single match but um, you know that's the story they're telling so I guess I have to let them tell it so, so I think going off your point about Okada and his faults, I do think what he's really good at is I, I think that you might be right about a little bit of the charisma stuff, but I think where he's his real strength is being able to uh, get the most out of whoever he's in the ring with. I think that almost anybody who has a match with him, he forces them to come up to his level and he can have a, a good match with almost everyone. And I think that that was the strength here. He's, he's really good at making who he's wrestling with look good. And, uh, I loved this match. I was, you said that it didn't click for you. It clicked for me right in the middle. Once the crowd started getting over, uh, getting going, and Elgin just started to go into beast mode, I was completely all in. Every near fall, I thought that Okada had some incredible kickouts here, where you go like you're like he's not going to win, and then you're at two two uh, two count, you're just like oh fuck, he's not kicking out, and then right at that last second. He does. I thought that there were a few times here that he was really good. Um, for, for me, like, the last 10 or 15 minutes were just one long finishing stretch, and I was completely all in. Um, I know that, John, you liked that uh, Naito-Elgin match a lot from earlier in the I, year. Like, I give it I give it five stars. It's my yeah. third favorite match of the year. For, for me, I'm a little bit down on that one than other people. I still think it's great, like four and a half, but I just – I'm not it, – it, it dragged a little bit for me towards the end of that one. This one, just all, I was all in, completely all action. I was at four three quarters for this. Um, I'm not sure which one I like more between the 
uh, Ibushi match in this one. I think that it would be one of those things where on a different day I would like the other one more. But yeah, I I was completely all in on this match. I love that. I love that it was in Corkin. I love that the crowd was going crazy. It was just great. I will say that that's that is we'll, we'll talk about another uh, Elgin match where against a different opponent where they lost the crowd by the end. They never lost the crowd in this one, so that's no. a major that's a major point. Cap Feather in this match's hat yeah. again. I gave it four and a quarter. I still loved it. But yeah, just not as much as some other people. Yeah, I mean it was the same thing with the Naito match. You know, yeah. I liked that match. It was great, but other people like it more. Yeah, I'm gonna side more with Kevin here than than, than you, John. I like I, I love this match so much. Yeah. It never. It never Sorry. really just, you know, it it was enthralled me from when it got going. It just had me. And I love Okada. I love him a lot. And as great as he is, I thought this match was all about Elgin and reminding people that, yeah, Elgin is that damn good. Him, you know, catching Okada, doing the crossbody over the barricade and just slamming him back down. The Black Tiger Bomb, he's been using that move a lot lately. Uh, the two Rainmaker counters, when he popped him up, into that, into that Elgin bomb. I was like, holy shit, he's going to win. And then just like that, Okada kicks out of like two and nine tenths. I thought as great as Okada came out here again, Elgin came off so well here, even in a, in a loss. And I think we're continuing the storyline as well with Okada where he has to use the wrist control to win the match. Some people might be bothered by that. I've seen that, I've seen that online where people are bothered like, you shouldn't use it in every single match. It, it, it lowers the, uh, you know, it lower, loses its potency. But it uses it in every big match. I like it because it keeps honing in the fact that Okada, for all his greatness, for all his arrogance, for all his his, his, his wins, he needs to control the wrists to ultimately put away his opponent. No matter who it is, Elgin, Tanahashi, Shibata, Naito, Marafuji, Fale, Suzuki, he needs the wrist to win. You'd, you'd think, and, though, if he, if, this, he need, if he always has to do it, though, that he... Someone would come for the counter for it by now. You might think, but uh, I don't know. Maybe they're just, they're just dumb. I don't know. <laughs> they're, maybe they're not, they're not watching tape. They're just too busy, too busy eating or working out or something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, but but yeah, I, so, I, I love oh, this match so much. Yeah. Night, night four. Um, I, if we're gonna, again, night four on its own, I, obviously a huge improvement over night two as far as the B-block goes. Two matches I gave four stars or greater to. So a, a, good, a very good show. Still below night three to me, so A Block still wins another pair, I think. Yeah, not as good of a show overall as the third one, but I like the main event more than anything on that show. So. Andrew, same thing? Uh, yep, pretty much. I, I I liked more matches on night three, but I think of the matches between three and four, I think Okada Elgin I liked the most of all of those. Mm, yeah, it makes sense. So, so yeah. night five, uh, back to the A block. Tokyo, still in Tokyo, the fourth straight night in Tokyo, but we're now out of Kirken Hall. We're in the Machida Gymnasium. Um, first of all, that that venue looked awesome on TV. Like they they don't use this a lot, but it looked really really cool on TV. I thought just just being in a venue that's like seats three thousand or whatever after being in Kirken, it looked it looked epic. I don't know. I thought it was a little dark. Well, you, well they they're always dark like that. Yeah. Though, so I mean, it's okay. Yeah, um, but I don't know. It gave it had a really cool feel to me. Um, so this review, this review, by the way, was by August Baker on Voice of Wrestling. That's who we're comparing star ratings with. Um, the opener, the the G one opener, was Zack Saber Jr. getting a second win, or yeah, getting a second win, moving to two and one. So he now has four points. Yoshihashi moves to one and two. Um, 
this was this was good. It really I wouldn't even go as high as August did. August went three and a half. I went three and a quarter. Um, it's kind of just you know, kind of just saber schooling him. Mm. Yeah, it was uh, just an exhibition for Zach. Yeah. yeah, him being the vicious technical heel. Yoshi makes a really good sympathetic baby face, but uh, other than that, it, that's that's kind of what it is, really. Yeah. So fine match. Nothing, nothing, nothing special. Match two, Tanahashi moves to two and one, getting four points and dropping Nagata to zero and three. Um, this was awesome. Uh, August gave this four and a quarter, which is the same rating I gave it. Same. Um, yeah, this was this was a really really awesome match. Again, Tanahashi was like he he could, he didn't work like all out heel, but he was being heel ish and really working into the crowd, being behind Nagata, which he does really really mm-hmm. well. Be, you know, better than almost better. Than, uh, he hasn't gotten a chance to do it in a, in a while. I feel like, but people who remember his title reign when he would occasionally do this, it was always really good. So I was happy about that. Um, you know, Nagata had like he busted out the exploder off the top. Yeah, uh, it was just they they had a cr- crazy slap fight like where Tanahashi slapped Nagata so hard like Nagata had a cut under his Busting eye. Busted him open. Yeah, that, of- I was gonna say that was the that might be the most poignant ma- uh, image of the tournament. Yeah, Magata, Nagata with the busted cheek, and Tanahashi just destroying him, and Nagata not having having the juice to beat him. Yeah. That was so, like, incredible. Like, maybe even all time image there. Yeah. Like those double slaps, just bum 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 bum. Yeah. bum. It's like, oh god, just stop, man! It's you're winning. You don't need to do this. Come on. <laughs> so, so great, great match. Excellent yeah, match. Definitely super. An awesome fight. Real emotional. I love heelish, you know, dickish heel Tanahashi. Not full blown mm-hmm. sneering, you know, snotty whiplash, but you can tell he's really relishing being able to, you know, toy with Nagata and sort of lord over the fact that he was the ace and now Tanahashi the most the most recent ace you know so he's the younger guy he's able to you know get him off at every turn and Nagata the valiant hero trying to you know prove himself again once again and again failing which have, is such a great story they have a lot of history too people who aren't aware because Nagata was the guy who ended Tanahashi's first title reign I believe he definitely beat him for the title I think it was Tanahashi's very first reign that night that Nagata ended which would have been Nagata's last reign. So there mm-hmm. you go. Yeah. All goes full circle. Um, bad Luck Fale defeating Tetsuya Naito. This was bad. Um, I hate yeah, to say it's it, a huge Naito fan. That, like, August gave a two and a half. I might just go too flat. Like This was, this was pretty terrible. Uh, they just have no chemistry together for whatever reason. Um, I, you know, they, they, Their match two years ago in the G1 was pretty terrible too. This was Fale moving to two and one, by the way, and Naito taking his first loss. But um, like Fale, just, he's just... He's too big for Naito to do anything with. And it's so obvious when you watch it. Like, Naito, Naito's spots are like... He has this weird, very weird wrestling style. And he just can't do any of his spots with Fale. It just doesn't work. So, um, you know, Fale beat him clean. Hit the grenade. Naito got to kick out of the grenade. But then the bad luck fall was it. Mm-hmm. Fall was it. And, yeah, it was it was not a good match. Yeah, it never clicked. Um, I was kind of hyped for it because this was, of course, hashtag fuck Fale, hashtag <laughs> justice for Daryl. Um, so it was kind of interesting to see what Naito was going to do, but unfortunately it didn't work out that way. It was just two misshaped jigsaw puzzle pieces not clicking together, unfortunately. Yeah, nothing else to say here. Whatever. <laughs> Kota Ibushi, Tomohiro Ishii. Ibushi gets his second win to move up to four points. Ishii's still now at one and two. Um, this was fucking awesome. 
August gave this four and a half, and that was the exact same rating I had too. My second favorite match of the of the league up to this point, maybe still actually. I, I don't know. It's, it's let's see what the what's still coming. But I think this might be my second favorite match of the league. Um, you know, they they just they went out there and just did all these spots like Ugh. you know flipping out of the German and then like taking. Taking Ishii's head off with a kick. Ibushi hit that spin kick. That spin kick. And he took uh, he took Ishii's fucking head off with yeah. that thing. It was brutal. I mean, that's literally what August writes here. I mean, it's very... It's, I think that's how anybody watching it Ugh. would have reacted. Um, like, it was just like... They just did move after move, but like, they ne- it never felt excessive to me. And then, you know... When Abushi finally got the pin with the last ride, it felt it felt well earned. Mm. So yeah. this was this was just a, a war. Yeah, this three awesome. three years after their match for the uh, the Never Belt, uh, 2014. I was really anticipating this one to see how they would clash again. And man, Abushi going fo- force for force here with with Ishi strikes and good god, the, the just the the kicks and the the slaps and the the chops of the throat. It's like good god, these guys hit hard. And again, Abushi being so strong, giving Ishii that last right power bomb. It's like Ishii is a BTF. He's a big, thick fuck. He is <laughs> as uh, as um, as Buffalo Bill once uh, no as um, as Hannah Lecter once said, "Big through the hips, roomy." <laughs> so uh, he's he's a big boy and then some. And for Abushi to you know give him that last right power bomb. Which he's been using and establishing, really, as his finisher of the tournament. That's what he's been using so far well, that's to get his finisher. scalps. So, what's that? I mean, that's his normal finisher. Oh, I know, but like usually with with Ibushi, you kind of expect him to get like the Phoenix Splash sometimes. Uh, I got that, you. That's what I'm used to anyway. I don't know, but I know he's you know last ride is one of his big moves. But you expect like the Phoenix Splash to come into play. But so far, it's been last ride all the way. You know, shout out to the Dead Man Undertaker. Obviously, Ibushi a big <laughs> fan. But uh, yeah, this was fucking awesome. Man. You, could, you could also be a big man to kiss your water fan. Oh, that too. Hey, listen, last um, ride, last ride to LeBound. <laughs> spread the love. <laughs> What'd you think? Um, yeah. So going in, this was one of my most anticipated matches because I actually just rewatched that 2014 match the other day, and it's fucking incredible. It was almost even better than I remembered it being. So I was really excited for this because. One of my great disappointments in 2015 was when they were going to rematch that match. No, sorry, 2014 in the G1 when they're going to rematch it, and then Obushi got hurt, and they never did it again. So I was really excited for this one, and it it delivered. I'm I'm at four and a half too. I part of me wonders if that's just bias, and if I would be you know should actually be a little bit lower, but I don't give a fuck. It's fucking it's great. Um, it's exactly what I want. Ishii is my favorite. Obushi is my favorite in the tournament. Hard hitting, the crowd was into it. It was fucking awesome. The only thing I wish was that they made this like corking, because it would have been like incredible yeah. there. Yeah. But and I think that they could have done it there if they really wanted to. But uh, I've got otherwise exactly what I wanted from the match. So that moves on to the main event, which was Togi Makabe against Roki Goto. Now I believe this is basically like, if not his hometown, like he has a lot of ties to the area. So, where the Machida Gymnasium is, I, that that sounds weird to people because it's still technically Tokyo, but Tokyo is gigantic, everybody. So, hmm. like, I think this area of Tokyo it might be where Makabe's from. But yeah, the crowd was super behind him, and that ended up helping this match a lot. I gave it three and a half, which was slightly above what August gave it three and a quarter. I thought it told a good little story. Um, Makabe, you know, he, he took a while to get going by until the end. 
but um, by the time he he hit that, he hit that the, that knee drop. For, this is the first time he debuted the, the knee drop on a guy like standing Ugh. or kneeling. And, and we'll, we'll, we'll get to I mean, we'll get to the match later. He used it again, which I want yeah. to bring up too. Which yeah, but yeah, he did a, he did this. Then he did the spider suplex and then another knee drop, and that's that's it for that. He got the win. Good main event, you know, not to the level of the the earlier two matches, but still a very very good match. Or or, or or good match, I shouldn't say very very good. Yeah, three and a half. Yeah, again, three for three for Makabe, over delivering on a on a slugfest. Uh, yeah, like I said, John took a little bit to get going, but once Godo and Makabe got the crowd really reeling and started delivering those big big bombs towards the end, uh, I really got into it, and it was good to see Makabe get his first win in uh, not his hometown crowd, but certainly a crowd that really was behind him a lot. Sent the crowd home happy. Uh, I was a little surprised when I first read that this was going to be the main event over. Um, you know, Abushi, uh, Ishii, or Tanashi Nagata. But when I read that this was sort of his his crowd, then it made sense for him to get the main event here and to get the win too. So, yeah. but yeah, this was this was good. He's from Kanagawa. Where the fuck is that? I'm no sorry, idea. I'm, just, I'm talking to myself. <laughs> but yeah, oh, I think that's yeah, that's in Kanto. So I think this was like close because this is Southern Tokyo. Mm-hmm. I think this was or Southwest kind of. So I think it was close to where he where he grew up. So that's probably why. Anyway, go ahead. Kevin. Oh yeah, this one I I've rewatched most things from the G1. I ha- didn't rewatch this. Honestly, it was just kind of deflating to me after the match before, like not not anything that they did, but just knowing that it was on after and knowing what the match was and knowing that in my mind that I uh that it wasn't going to top what I just saw. It was just hard for me to ever really get into it. So, I can't say it was bad or anything, but I just it was hard for me to really pay attention after watching the match before it. Yeah, it was it was all right. It was it was good, but I get what you're saying. Like the, the matches before were definitely better. Yeah, especially but, like the the emotion of the Nagata match, and then just personally, like mm-hmm. I am so invested in, like I said, Ishii in general that, and then Ibushi in this tournament that it just it's not going to get higher than that for me. Yeah. So overall, though, another very good outing for A Block. Another really good show. Yeah, I two um, great matches. Yeah. So. So you at this point, this is where I feel like the the, the league kind of gets in the doldrums because you exit Tokyo, and now we kind of like get out get out into the rest of the country, and this is where the crowds maybe not aren't quite as hot, and mm. the wrestlers may not be trying quite as hard. So we might be able to get through some of these cards a little bit faster. Let's see, night six, big palette Fukushima and Fukushima Japan. Uh, it opened with Elgin defeating Satoshi Kojima. Um, oh, and this the review, by the way, was Suit Williams. That's who star ratings are going to be comparing this time. Uh, Elgin got his first win, so he moved to 1-2. and two. Kojima still 0-3. Um, to be honest, I remember almost nothing about this match, so I'm not even going to try to give it a star rating. Um, it, it clearly didn't make much of an impression on me, though. Uh, it was it was there, I guess. Mm. Yeah, just a nice little slugfest again with two big guys. Uh, I predicted successfully, uh, successfully that uh, Elgin was going to get the win here because he kind of needed one. And uh, both guys needed to win because he had zero points here. So I thought either one, I think it was going to be Elgin, and I was right. Um, I will give props to Kojima for taking a sunset flip powerbomb off the top rope because he's an old man. He's in his mid-40s, and that kind of move is tough on anyone, especially a guy of his age. So props to him for that. And uh, But, yeah, this was, this was good. Nothing really special about it. Yeah, I wanted it to be great. It was merely good. There wasn't that much uh, to take away from it other than that it was just a solid match. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a good. It was a good opener for a G one block show, but not much more than that. 
Uh, Evil defeating Tamatanga. Evil moving to two and one. Tanga now at one and two. Again, I really don't remember anything about this Same. match except for again it was there. He it was gave a, it, two, it was a brawl. He gave it two and three quarters. It was it was whatever. I I guess I would agree with that because I don't remember anything about it. Yeah, yeah Tama, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> another saw. Uh, uh, Evil is really great. This good at the solid brawls, you know. But uh, good, you know, back and forth closing stretch. But other than that, this was a match. Yeah, that was good. It was fine. Uh, up next, Minoru Suzuki going to two and one, getting his four, getting up to four points, defeating Juice Robinson. Now at one and two, um, I thought this was going to be better than it was because you, you know how Suzuki's a great dick heel and Juice is great at selling, but I don't know, like it just the leg, the leg stuff just went on and on and on and on again, and like again, it didn't play into the end at all. You know, Suzuki. In the end, punched him in the face and pinned him with the God's pile driver. Can't he just tap somebody out after all this leg work? John, Can't he just John, get him in an ankle John. lock? I know. I'm just, just like this is <laughs> another example. This, this was another example, though, of he just should have get him in an ankle lock You've and got, like, tap out. Got like six more nights to get through here. Come I know. On, man. I know. But it's just like, just come on, come on, Suzuki, just tap somebody out. This, um, was, this was whatever. I'll give it two and a half. I, I liked. <laughs> I liked how. Uh, ferocious Suzuki was. I think my biggest thing with Juice is that I think he's really coming forward as character-wise and just understanding the little things about being a wrestler and, and how it all works. I think he's really developing uh, great on that selling and all the little intricacies. The one thing that I think that he is still, not that he can't do, but that is still just not there quite in his development yet, is translating it to actual, not just good performances, but good matches. And, like, I mean, there have been some matches that I think are really good so far, but it's still kind of a step behind as far as being, like, oh, every time that Juice is going to be out there, it's going to be, like, a great match or whatever. So I think that he's still a little bit developing there, but um, I thought that this was good. I liked, I think that Drew from Burning Spirits really, really liked this. But I, I just I just thought that it was uh, good, and but not not anything crazy. I'll, uh, I'll uh, echo your remarks there, Kevin. This was good. Uh, again, what I expected it to be, which was Killer Suzuki just eating up poor Juice Robinson and just taking him to school here. Uh, Juice, the poor guy, his neck, his leg, he's gonna... I tweeted this out, but, uh, did you ever see the episode of Spongebob where they sell chocolate door-to-door? He's gonna look like the fish, that the common fish, it's like just bandaged up from head to toe. Alright, that, 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 uh... That that, that, felt, that felt flat there, but, uh, move on, uh... <laughs> just, just uh, tap somebody out, Suzuki. Uh, Please. I, I, all right. Well, well, that that's your prerogative uh, for him, but uh, it is what it is. So, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna begrudge the man for for having a for having faults because we all have faults. But uh, this was fine. Match three: uh, Kenny Omega going to three and one, defeating or three and zero, oh, I should say, defeating Toriano. Um, okay. People who freaked out about this match being a comedy match, what the fuck? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah but, what the fuck? Dude, the, uh, you're the, surprised that Kenny Omega and Toriano had a comedy match? What the fuck? Yeah, the one guy criticizing Kenny Omega for like, you're supposed to be the greatest wrestler in the world. What is this shit? I want wrestling. Like, well, what the fuck do you want from a Toriano match? Okay, <laughs> so you're telling me you would prefer for Kenny Omega, who whatever else you think of him, he has a long history in DDT. He did that match with a little girl in uh, in Stardom. He did the match with the with the blow up doll. He's a, he can do comedy when he wants to. You're telling me you'd rather have him wrestle this match with Yano straight? 
You're telling me you'd rather have a boring eight-minute match than what we had, which was a hilarious comedy match? What is wrong with you? This was great. This was awesome. This was a total change of pace for, for, for Omega. It was him reminding us that he could do this shit, and it can be great. But, you know, I, I, you know okay. I'm a DDT fan. I love comedy. This was great comedy. Yeah, so I, two, two very quick things going on for what you said. First, you can't take Omega. You can't have one part of Omega without the second part. Like, yes. he's a great wrestler. He's all action. And one of the things that makes him so great is because you know the history of his other shit before. Yeah. Like, you can't have he, one without the other. He, he is who he is. Like, he is who he is. If you, don't, if you want to think he's great, you need to accept the fact that he used to come out with a broom. Like, this yeah. is who he is. Yeah. Like, he stuck a flag up of, uh, up of a, up <laughs> to Gucci's <laughs> ass. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, <laughs> the, uh, like, the, the arm chain, the, the hair arm chainsaw yeah. thing he used to do. Now, like, that shit sucked, but it's, it is what it is. You take the, you take the f- ass flag with the good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the tape stuff, it was, really, it was really funny. Like, the, all that tape stuff and them hopping yeah. around, that was yeah. hilarious. And then the second thing is, in this case of a comedy match, it wasn't like one of those comedy matches where they bring in all sorts of stuff that doesn't make sense to be in that match just to do it or do outward, like, goofy skits, like dancing stuff or whatever. Mm-hmm. It was all stuff that is within, contained within the New Japan universe. And like, they, yeah, And they had a comedy match last year, too, in the G1. Yeah. And they didn't just do the same match again. They added new elements to it as well, yeah. like with the DVD case being full of cocaine. Yeah, and it's like and that was, was like, a, that was amazing. Yeah, and I was yeah. like, open the case, open the case, and it's like like it uh, took him. And they, Omega, they Omega said, was like, all right, up. what is this? Like they set that up the exact right amount of time. Yeah, because yeah. they had Kenny keep like refusing to open it and keep being like, I don't want yeah. this thing. And then when he finally opened as it, soon, and that powder as soon as he opens the case, and those little tufts of powder like come falling out, and it's like, oh I, shit! I, I fucking <laughs> and he died. looks down, and he looks down at Omega like boop, and it goes right in his face, and Omega's like, oh fuck, like it's. And he starts like giving. He tries to give red shoes the one winged angel. I and, and red, and red yeah. shoes is like, no, no, please don't die me. <laughs> yeah, like the DVD case. That's been a thing for Yano forever. So they didn't do anything crazy there. Yeah. The tape that's been done before. Like that. I, Yano, I can't, Yano did that like three times last year. Yeah. So it's all stuff that is accepted already within the New Japan universe. Like yeah. we talk about the DDT universe with. Like, on Burning Spirits, a lot of everything all being in the same world. New Japan, it's a little bit more straightforward, so it's hard to think of it sometimes like that with it being its own little world. But it is. And so it's all stuff that has already been established. It's all canon. So what the fuck? Who cares? Like, it was fun. It was entertaining. If you didn't like it, you're not going to think about it afterwards because Kenny Omega is going to have a few matches going forward that are going to be really fucking good, and you're not even going to care about a 10-minute comedy match on a fucking... Uh, off house show B- G1 show. Yeah, Fukushima, you know, it's not, this is not the Tokyo Dome. It's like the Dome, it's the same Sumo Hall. And exactly. by the way, Kenny is not the first person to, who otherwise wrestles serious to do a really funny comedy match at Yano. Remember when Carl Anderson did that a few years ago? They had a really hilarious comedy match yeah. built around the two of them doing uh, doing the, the Yano Toru thing to each other. That was hilarious. <laughs> and like, it's okay for a, a serious guy to wrestle a comedy match against Toriano. It's not the end of the world. You yeah. think that Terry Funk never did a fucking comedy match? <laughs> exactly. Like, come on. Bret Hart, Bret Hart did comedy yeah. matches. Like, Terry, come on. Terry Funk is one of the reasons why he's so good is because he's funny. Yeah. The flare flop, that only got laughs. Yeah. <laughs> like, like people, people need to chill. Yeah, people... <laughs> chill I the completely, fuck out. It's not like him and Okada are going up there and tying their fucking... 
Yeah. Feed together. That would be one thing. But it's Toriano. It's an off show. Who cares? I, I, I love just one more thing here before we move on. Uh, Chase Owens taunting Yana with the scissors after the match and just like, nope, take it, like, like, holding over his head and then taking it away. Then Yano, the poor guy, has to like hop his way back to the ring, to the, to the back, and he trips and he falls. And he's got to roll back to the, to the, to the, uh, yeah, to the, uh, the backstage. I thought that was like pretty funny. So, yeah. It, it's, it's Yano. It's Yano and Omega. What, the, what do you expect? It, it was good. All right, so the main event, Okada moving to 3-0, and defeating Sonata. Sonata now moves to 1-2. and This is the first match where it really started to, you know, if I never in a million years thought Sonata was winning this match. Never felt like he had a chance. If Okada lost to Elgin, maybe it would have been more in my mind that Sonata could pull an upset too. But I, never in this entire match did I feel like Okada or, or Sonata was going to win. Um, it never reached that next level for me. I gave this about three and a quarter, which is about what uh, what Suit gave it to. Suit gave it three and a half. So, um, yeah, it was it was there. I don't really have a lot to say about it. It was fine. Yeah, the story being, of course, Sonata not being able to hang with the big boys just quite yet. Yeah, he did win over Tanahashi last year in the first night of the G1. Yeah. But since then, he hasn't been able to really get back to that place yet. Um, losing to Okada here, losing to Suzuki... Um, so, yeah, he hasn't really been able to really ascend to the upper echelon quite yet. Um, but uh, I, I thought this match was really good. But, um, uh, yeah, that's, that's all I got to say about it, really. <laughs> it was a good match. I like the story of it. It was one of those matches where it kind of just... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.